Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Jamie, Ferrario, as we sit here today, if the Rockies are willing to eat some of that money on his contract, do you think there's any chance that the Cardinals would now be interested in trading for Nolan Arenado? Mm. I don't think so. Listen, me, Jamie Rivers, personally, I'd be all in on it. But again, it's not my wallet. You guys been listening to me at all for the last two years? He's still on the 95. This is Mr. 95 you're talking to. All aboard the Nolan Arenado train. Thank you. He's here. Mr. 95% in all of his glory. Alex Ferrario. I'm just let's let's go ahead and let you bask in the glory. That is Nolan Arenado. I told you boys I was about to be insufferable. The problem was I just couldn't find any more audio (laughs) of me saying it. There's plenty of it. Literally go through any show over the last calendar year. That's the problem. That's the problem. We hit this like we hit this lull once the season started where it was like, okay, nobody's talking about Arenado anymore we've moved on and then the rumors amped back up 95 percent boys friday might have been the most happiest time of my life okay so let's do this if we're gonna do an i told you so segment yeah let's do it let's, let's go ahead and be as insufferable as we can let's do this let's milk this there's been a lot of people on this station and elsewhere that have said this would never happen yep Called us idiots. There's been a lot of Facebook commenters over the last calendar year that have said something something to the effect of, BK, if you bring up Nolan Arenado's name one more time, I swear we're blocking you on this account. I saved a text message that said, Ferrario, enough with this crap already. It's not going to happen. It happened, boys. Are you not entertained? It finally happened. This is why we talk about the things that the Cardinals could do. Because we've talked a lot about the options, and it always came back to, man, the one that makes the most sense is still going (laughs) Arenado. They're not going to go into free agency. They're not going to hand out some brand new $250 million contracts to one of those shortstops. We all knew that wasn't going to happen. Paul DeYoung ain't moving positions. And so what do you come back to? Well, Freddie Freeman's on the market. Yeah, they've got a first baseman. That's really good. Not good enough. It was Nolan Arenado. It was always Nolan Arenado. And they finally, finally got it done. Let's start here. What was your reaction on Friday night? We're all kind of in a group chat together. We, I don't remember who of you two, one of you sent it to the group chat. Tanner that found it first. 
What was your reaction the first moment that you saw this is officially official, kind of? Still not technically officially official, <laughs> but it's going to happen. Nolan Arenado is actually going to be a Cardinal. Just describe some of my relationships in high school. Uh, the reaction was... Huh, saw that coming. No, let's be honest here. Come on. The first thing you think of is, oh my gosh, this is really happening, right? Like, because we have gone for the last two years saying this name and it's been, yeah, but it's not going to be pulled off. There's no way. And then the name started coming out of people involved. Because again, I was expecting Gorman's name to be attached. I was expecting Libertor's name to be attached. Heck, I was a little curious and a little concerned that a guy like Tyler O'Neill's name was going to be attached. Austin Gomber? <laughs> Lucan Baker? I like Austin Gomber, by too. the way. <laughs> John Torres? I'm thinking, okay, seriously, John Mosaic, as Jamie Rivers likes to say, has pictures of somebody. And then the news came out of a $50 million check coming the other way. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a highway robbery. The first thing I thought of was... Did John Mozeliak call Doug Armstrong and say, hey, how do you pull these trades off that you've done in the past? Because this this is bigger than the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Because you not only got a Hall of Fame caliber player for basically nothing, but you also got that team to send you a $50 million check. It's incredible. It's impossible. This should never happen. The Rockies just salary dumped one of the 10 to 15 best players in the sport a future Hall of Famer who has been called multiple times this uh, already earlier today on this radio station, arguably the second greatest defensive third baseman in the history of the sport. Yeah, that's who we're talking about here. People think that this guy is better than Scott Rowland, who Cardinals fans, you know what it was like to watch him on a day in day out basis. Now imagine that, but a little better. And oh, by the way, with a better first baseman defensively than what the Cardinals had at that time. Now, he, Goldie's not Pujols, but he, he's really good defensively. Hey, it's the next best thing, right? It's unbelievable. I, I can't believe that they were actually able to accomplish this. And I was listening to Greg Amsing earlier today, and I think he very well may be the only person in America today that is more excited about this trade than Alex Ferrario. Here's what Greg Amsinger had to say about Nolan Arenado finally, finally being named a Cardinal. There was a prototype of a perfect Cardinal. Nolan Arenado is it. No offense to the other great Cardinals we've loved, but in the city of St. Louis, I'm telling you, I'm going to say we because I'm from St. Louis proudly. We appreciate guys that grind like they have no talent, the David Eckstein's of the world. And we appreciate the defensive wizards, the little things in the game that are overlooked by so many other fans. We love it as St. Louisans. This guy plays the game like David Eckstein, like he's got no talent, but he's got more talent than Jim Edmonds ever had. He's a defensive wizard at third base like Ozzy was to short. This dude... All he cares about is winning. That's all he wants to do. Let's go. Greg Amzinger, baby. Listen to the names he just said, though. <laughs> Ozzie Smith, Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds, all fan favorites, but all faces of the franchise. The Cardinals didn't just acquire a strength to a weak spot. They acquired a face of a franchise. This, without question, is John Mozeliak's best move as Cardinals president of baseball operations slash general manager in making this trade. He's technically in charge for holiday, right? He was in charge for holiday, but I how think- would you rank these two? I would say given the situation the Cardinals are in now, given the circumstances in which this deal was pulled off, right. I, I, I'm with you, I think. I think I would put this as the number one move for Without him. question, because 
Matt Holiday was an unrestricted free agent, so you were hoping that that turned into a contract extension. This, you got a guy who, and maybe Matt Holiday does get into the conversation for Hall of Fame. Nolan Arenado's in that conversation already, and you got him in the prime of his career still, and you got him to defer money to basically add an opt-out but not really be concerned about the opt-out and then on top of that wave his no trade clause and added a year and added a freaking <laughs> for, year for 15 million dollars which is nothing right. and when that comes like because it, it's at the back end of the deal when you're reportedly going to add that final uh season at 15 million dollars that's going to be if he's still a solid player a completely under market value right for having a guy like nolan arenado it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It is in, in every sense of the word. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I saw Donnie Van Dago tweet something over the weekend that really resonated with me, and I think it will resonate with you as a Cardinals fan, and I want to get your thoughts on this. He said that this is the first time he's been excited as a Cardinals fan in a long time because there's been basically since 2015, that season, that was... They did a lot of winning that year, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say that was an exciting team to watch. They did it behind truly pitching and defense. And I mean, historically great pitching and defense that season. There weren't a whole lot of people outside of St. Louis that viewed the 2015 team as a real world series contender, just Mm -hmm. because of the lack of star power on that squad. This year even feels a little different from that. I think this is as excited as Cardinals fans have been, my opinion, Probably since about 2013, 2014-ish. Coming off of that 2013 season. Because you do. You have a face of the franchise. It's the last hurrah for Wayno and Yachty. You've got Paul Goldschmidt coming back and hopefully what could be a fantastic year for him with some real insurance behind him. Dylan Carlson brings excitement. You think you've got a potential Cy Young candidate in Jack Flaherty. All right. Now the pieces are really coming together for what could be an exciting year of Cardinals baseball been probably seven years since i've been able to say those other years were exciting in the terms of they were a, a, a surprise like you didn't expect that to happen and that's what the excitement came from i'm with donnie this is the first time that i've been truly excited to get a chance to go to the ballpark since 2011 with albert pujols and i mean frankly for some people i'm wondering if this is the most excited they've been since like 0406 when you made those deals for a larry walker and you had the mv3 because it's what we've always talked about bk one piece they're missing one major piece to this team and everything else falls into place now i'm not saying they're going to become world series champions because of this move but you just mentioned it it gives you protection to Paul Goldschmidt. It gives you protection to Paul DeYoung. You have a Dylan Carlson, the last hurrah with Yachty and Wayno. You're pitching probably the best pitching depth in the National League, if not all of baseball. This one piece fixes everything when it goes to the season. It certainly makes them a contender. We're going to get more into that throughout the day today. It's 1115. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Also, the Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app, and we do want to hear from you today on the mic drop feature. When was the last time? Let's go with what Alex just said. When was the last time you were this excited about a Cardinals baseball team? When was the last time you were this excited about a specific acquisition by the Cardinals? We'll hear from you throughout the day today. Coming up next, though, the Cardinals, whenever they acquired Nolan Arenado, they also acquired an identity. We'll talk about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. 
This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. You're not going to find a better corner infielders better defensively than Goldschmidt and Arenado. And that's going to pull that whole infield together. And once they figure out what to do at second base, they potentially could have one of the best defensive infields in the league. That was Tim Kirkshin on with Carriker and Smallman earlier today talking about how this very well could be the best corner infield in baseball this upcoming season. The Cardinals have an identity now, Alex they could convince themselves prior to this move that they had an identity of pitching and defense. Now they actually have that identity because without Yachty, without Colton Wong, without a real presence defensively at third base, I don't think you could actually claim that they had a real identity of pitching and defense. Now it's there, not only there, but maybe the best defense in baseball going into the season. Paul Goldschmidt's a three-time gold glover. He's first among all first basemen in defensive runs saved over the last five seasons. Nolan Arenado, eight-time gold glover. Every year he started at third base, basically, he's a gold glover. Mm -hmm. He is first among all third basemen in defensive runs saved since 2015. And Paul DeYoung, third among all shortstops in defensive runs saved since he entered the league in 2017. And oh, by the way, Yachty, who I think is going to be back. I think that's going to happen. I don't know if today, tomorrow, next week, I don't know, but nine time gold Glover behind the plate. You look into the outfield. You've got Tyler O'Neill gold, gold Glover. Glove. Damn right. Harrison Bader, who very well could win a gold glove and Dylan Carlson. Who's a very good defender as well. You have a plus defender. If you want to include Tommy Edmond there, yeah. At literally every spot on the diamond going into this upcoming season. And that's not even to mention the depth that you were talking about in our opening segment from the pitching staff. By acquiring Nolan Arenado, this team just also acquired an identity. They did. And look, the best part about this, I don't look at the outfield as much as I look at the infield, BK, because you have ground ball pitchers. That's the biggest thing. You have ground ball pitchers. And look, Dakota Hudson, who's out. Jack Flaherty's a strikeout guy. KK is a little bit in between. Miles Michaelis is a ground ball pitcher. And then insert whomever this fifth starter is going to be in the rotation. Wainwright, Reyes, these guys... Get the ball in play. And you need an infield that can make these plays. The biggest concern for this upcoming season was Matt Carpenter at third base. Now, I still think you're going to get Matt Carpenter every once in a while, but it's not going to be anywhere near what we thought where he'd be playing as much. But with Arenado and and Paul DeYoung on the left side of the infield, and then with Tommy Edmond, who I think is going to be an above average, if not really good defender for you, he and Paul Goldschmidt on the right side, this is going to make this pitching staff that much better. So that's why you needed this identity for this upcoming season. It unlocks everything. That That's what this is. It's like the the last key that you needed to be able to get out of the escape room, right? I you you finally rooms. are able to get out. It took all of the clues to get to that point, And then now finally you're able to get out the door. That's what Arenado is. It, he was the piece that you were missing. He is what makes everything else worth it. Being able to have a superstar first baseman like Paul Goldschmidt makes Nolan Arenado even better at third base, even though he was already one of the best, not just now, but to ever do it at that position. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to go back to what Tim Kirkchen had to say earlier today, because I think sometimes 
in the heat of the moment, we can get overly excited about individual acquisitions and, hey, what does this player mean? We probably did that a little bit with Mike Hoffman, for instance, with the Blues. Uh, Looking back, we'll get to that a little later on. (laughs) This is not that. We are not getting overly excited. In fact, in some ways, I think some fans are actually underestimating what Nolan Arenado is going to bring to the table for the Cardinals. Here's Tim Kirchin, what he had to say with Carriker and Smallman earlier today. Well, after Brooks Robinson, he's the greatest defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Nobody has ever won that many gold gloves in his first eight seasons like Nolan Arenado has. Uh, Michael Kadire told me years ago when Michael Kadire joined the Rockies, Arenado, in my first three months here, made the five greatest plays I've ever seen a third baseman make. In three months, the five greatest I've ever seen. That's how good he is. That's incredible. That's the kind of player that this team is adding. Yeah. And that is not just a quality infielder, a nice little upgrade. That's the face of the franchise. Yeah. That's the guy that is going to take the baton from Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. And there's a transition going on this season, certainly. But everything Yadi brings to the table, that intensity, that fire, that is what Nolan Arnado plays with. He, We heard from Greg Amsinger, plays third base like he has the talent of um, David Eckstein. But he has the talent of like Jim Edmonds. Yeah. I mean, that that's it's it's an incredible thing to be able to add to this clubhouse. And now these guys are going to have yet another player that leads by example. And so you better believe Paul DeYoung, he's going to learn a little something defensively from Nolan Arenado. Tommy Edmond at second base, he's going to learn from Nolan Arenado. So it's not just the tangible what he brings to the field every day. It's also what he's bringing to that clubhouse. You know, the Cardinals got something in Paul Goldschmidt that they didn't have for a really long time. And that was the work ethic of an infielder or a position player. Yadier Molina is different, but Yadier Molina is the catching side of things. Yadier's working with the pitchers. But they've never really had anybody who works with those infielders or works with the position players. Goldschmidt comes in and he changes that mentality because this guy's a workhorse. He's there early every day. He's staying late. He's taking BP. He's bringing that work ethic into that young clubhouse. Nolan Arenado just made it that much better because Arenado is the prototypical Cardinal player. Mm -hmm. We've heard the reports of him in Colorado where guys would try and get there early to spring training and he'd be there five hours before they even showed up like This guy's work ethic is going to leak into that clubhouse with a lot of younger players. And I say younger players. Paul DeYoung's not young anymore. He's getting to be a veteran in the league, but he's young in terms of experience, along with Harrison Bader, along with Tyler O'Neill, along with Tommy Edmond and a Dylan Carlson. It's going to push that into these players for this team. And you're right. This is going to make that transition a lot smoother going from Yachty to a Nolan Arenado because before you had no idea what was going to be in between that because Paul Goldschmidt wasn't going to be the guy. You needed somebody else to kind of take that face of the franchise and build it. And again, I compare this a lot to the Ryan O'Reilly thing. That's that's because exactly when, what I was going to get when to. When you play on a bad team for your career, And look, Ryan O'Reilly, he was with the Colorado Avalanche, but that was the transition period. And then he goes to Buffalo, and Buffalo was god-awful. When you get to a team that has a winning mentality, that has the ability to put it onto the ice or the field, you start to flourish in it. Nolan Arenado has been on a team where, what, he's had one postseason appearance, basically, seven games played. 
Not anymore. Now he's going to be with a team that gets into the postseason consistently. That's going to bring out a new player, in my opinion. And much like the Ryan O'Reilly trade, there were already a lot of pieces in place for the Blues prior to O'Reilly arriving. And he was the last one, basically. He was the key to it all. They had already signed, if I'm not mistaken, earlier that day, Tyler Bozak. And I think that was the day they signed David Perron as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. The previous offseason, they added Braden Shin. So the pieces were there, and you could kind of see where they were building. But it was like, man, they're they're still kind of missing. Missing that that one big piece in the middle. Ryan O'Reilly was signed. I was like, whoa, traded for at least. I was like, wow, okay. Now the rest of this stuff all kind of makes sense in my mind. Yep. And that's the way that Nolan Arenado is for the Cardinals. It's also not just for us. Imagine being in that clubhouse right now and over the weekend finding out your team acquired one of the best players in baseball. Miles Michaelis spoke about that on MLB Network Radio. Here's what he had to say about what this means for that clubhouse. You know, it's it's, it's going to light a fire under some guys on our team for sure. I mean, this if you're a guy like, like Wayne Ryder Yachty, you're, you're looking at that pickup and saying, wow, I think I'm going to win at least one more World Series before I'm done playing because that's the goal. I mean, you, you take a team that's, that's always a, a perennial playoff contender and you add a guy like that and it says, hey, we're trying to make it to the World Series, and we've got the team to do it, I think. They did what Doug Armstrong did. I know yeah. it's it, it, there's a lot of cross-sport comparisons going on here because it's apt. You remember before the season when we talked about being in the Blues locker room and finding out, hey, they just signed Mike Hoffman, and what kick in the behind that gives you as a player where it's like, whoa, okay, they really believe this team can do it. That's what the Cardinals just did. Yep, They just added that piece that tells everybody in the clubhouse – this front office believes in this team because they're bringing back Wayno, They're bringing back Yachty. They're adding Nolan Arenado to the mix. Literally two weeks ago, I don't know if I could have said that. Now, suddenly, everything has changed yep. for the St. Louis Cardinals going into 2020. It takes away all those weaknesses, BK. It takes away all the question marks of what Paul DeYoung is going to be, of what Harrison Bader is going to be. I know we're going to talk about that later this week because Mr. Bader, oh, yeah. Mr. Bader fan club is about to be insufferable for all of you as well. But, but it, it strengthens the pitching staff as well. It not only makes the, the weaknesses stronger, but it also turns the Cardinals into a team that was a pretender and now a serious contender. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show throughout the day. That is the Cardinal side of things. How are people reacting in Colorado to this trade? We're going to ask Woody Page, Colorado Springs Gazette sports columnist, and you've probably seen him on Around the Horn. He's going to join us coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Thrilled to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by Woody Page, Colorado Springs Gazette sports columnist. Also panelist, you've probably seen him over on Around the Horn on ESPN. Happy to get the Colorado perspective of this Nolan Arnato trade. Woody, we sincerely appreciate the time today. How are you doing? Great, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I think if we're sending uh, $50 million to St. Louis, you should send us the arch. Yeah, it's uh, so let, let's dive into this, Woody. What the hell happened? How, how did the Rockies get into the situation where suddenly they're sending one of the best players to the, in the sport to the Cardinals and sending $50 million to the Cardinals for a guy that may or may not have been in the Cardinals rotation next year? How did this happen? Uh, did you ever see the movie Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> Indeed. 
Well, it was filmed mostly in Colorado. <laughs> and they're, they're doing a retool, like the Batman movies, you know, where they retool it all the time, where they're doing a retool of Dumb and Dumber, and it's going to be called Dumbest and Even More Dumbest. <laughs> That's uh, the owner of the franchise. That would be Dick Monfort, who's aptly named, and uh, Jeff Breidich, uh, who nobody in St. Louis has ever heard of. Nobody in Colorado wants to ever hear from him again. That's how it started was those two guys uh, decided to get rid of uh, the arguably, I hate that word, but the best guy that uh, has ever come through here, other than maybe Matt Holiday, who ended up with the Cardinals. <laughs> we we like the former Rockies out here, Woody. We're, we're a big fan of them. We're two for two, Woody, so we're rolling right now. You guys aren't old enough, but uh, when the Philadelphia A's moved to Kansas City, and we're the Kansas City A's, uh, they used to send all their best players to the New York Yankees. And I think the Cardinals have found the secret to getting back to being the second best team, second team to win the most World Series in baseball history. That is to just call the Rockies when you need somebody. And, you know, this has been talked about. You're aware of this. This has been talked about for months. And uh, I I would just say to people in St. Louis, you're getting a player that makes a uh, highlight uh, film on uh, ESPN every night. I mean, he's forget about it. If he couldn't hit a lick, and Brooks Robinson, I, I think, I'm old enough to remember that Brooks Robinson was the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. And uh, uh, Nolan is in that range. And I'm not talking about your Nolan. Is it uh, Gorman? Yeah. Name? They should have at least gotten Gorman in this deal. If they could say, we still have a Nolan. They wouldn't even have to change the uniform. Name on the uniform. So, uh, how did it happen is... Uh, a guy in Vegas who runs a sports book told me about 30 years ago, don't ever come to Vegas and play with scared money. The Rockets have been playing with scared money since they came into existence. It's, I think there are 15 billionaires who own teams in Major League Baseball, and one of those would be in St. Louis, if I remember correctly. At least half the owners are billionaires, and the Rockies' ownership isn't, and they had a general manager named Dan O'Dowd who, uh, after he left here, has never had another general manager's job. He, I think he's on Major League Network occasionally. And he mentored this guy. And Dan O'Dowd Dowd was a terrible general <laughs> manager. So they hired a guy who trained under a guy who wasn't any good either. So uh, how did this happen? Uh, he, he was going to leave. He was tired of, of, of being in a situation that was never going to – contend, particularly in a division with the Dodgers. I mean, it, it's tough for, you know, the Diamondbacks, uh, the Giants have been able to surpass the uh, Dodgers in one World Series. But the the Padres now, look at what the Padres are doing. And the Rockies' uh, offseason has been, uh, uh, they built an office building, the ownership built an office building across from Coors Field, beautiful stadium. And uh, it has a penthouse in it for the owner, and that's been there all. That cost uh, anywhere from two hundred and fifty to five hundred million dollars. That's their off-season investment. <laughs> it's in an office building. <laughs> Again, we're talking. I, I laugh about it, but uh, you know, I grew up in Memphis as, as a Cardinals fan uh, when the Cardinals were terrible in the fifties, and the only thing the Cardinals really had was Stan Musial and Harry Carey at that time. <laughs> 
And uh, actually, the Cardinals had been the, the best broadcasting team, I think, maybe in history with uh, Harry Carey and uh, Jack Buck and uh, Joe Garagiola. I mean, how do you beat that broadcasting team? Nobody has ever beaten that broadcast team. Anyway, um, I'm wondering. So never mind. So how did it happen? He was going to leave at the end of the year. He didn't want to be here. And I, I would have assumed he'd come to the Angels, honestly, because that's the, that's where he's from. But uh, I think because of the Cardinals' uh, tradition, history, uh, good team, uh, that uh, it was a, a good landing spot for him. And I feel great for him. But they have been jacking him around, guys, truthfully, since he was in the minor leagues. They didn't bring him up. Uh, remember the Chris Bryant yeah. controversy right. where – they didn't bring him up right away because they were, you know, trying to get one more year out of it. Well, that's what the Rockies did to Arenado and Dan O'Dowd, who's been general manager, said he needed to work on his attitude. One of the nicest kids I've ever met, being around baseball since he's uh, covering it since the late '60s. One of the nicest kids I ever met. People in St. Louis will love him. He just uh, works out day and night. First guy to the ballpark, last guy to leave. Uh, you know, one of those kind of guys. Great defensive player, and you can look at the offensive numbers. He had a bad year this past year, but uh, you can throw out 2020 for everybody. I mean, uh, right. who knows what what the pandemic did to anybody? But he's a guy that's going to hit. And people will say, "Oh, I played Coors Field." Well, look at his numbers away from Coors Field prior to this past season. He's a you know 290 hitter. He'll hit 35, maybe even 40 home runs. I don't care where he plays, Yellowstone National Park. And uh, he's just a great guy to have a leader in the clubhouse. So uh, why did it happen? Because uh, the the, the, uh, Cardinals pulled off the the fleece of the millennium. I think this is the worst trade for a team since the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. And and I'm not uh, hyperbole. I think it's true. I think the Cardinals... not since Luke Brock for Ernie Brolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like that trade, too, in St. Louis. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, with Woody Page, Colorado Springs Gazette sports columnist. Of course, you've seen him as a panelist on Around the Horn. So, Woody, I'm curious from the Colorado perspective here. I mean, you move on. You trade away a Nolan Arenado. You traded away in the past big names like a Matt Holiday and a Troy Tulowitzki. What's going to happen with Trevor Story? Because I would imagine he's not going to be too uh, too excited about re-signing with Colorado after this move. Well, they have, uh, according to everything I know, they have. By the way, don't say you. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to be aligned with the Rockies. <laughs> so don't say you traded away. Because if I'd been the general manager, I wouldn't have traded away two whiskey. I wouldn't have traded away Holiday. I wouldn't have traded away Arnado. By the way, just tell people in St. Louis that it's not. Arenado, and a lot of people in Denver still call him that, but it's you, you guys have got your update guy got it right. It's yeah. R with say it with a hard R. Uh, the uh, what are they going to do? What are the Rockies going to do? They're going to finish last. Uh, Fangraphs recently, before the trade, said the Rockies will win 64 games this year. I think they'll threaten uh, the. Phillies won like 34 in 2003. I think they will threaten that. I mean, it's a terrible team. They went out and, and didn't, oh, you know, we hadn't even talked about DJ Lemieux. Yeah. Uh, you know, just led the American League in hitting, was the most was the number two most valuable player. Instead of re-signing him, they went and got Daniel Murphy, who should have retired two years ago, not this year. <laughs> 
So uh, it's a terrible franchise, terrible team, and uh, if you want to talk about the Broncos and their quarterback situation, Denver's not having much of a run right now. <laughs> Sports teams. Last question that I've got for Woody Page, Colorado Springs Gazette sports columnist, also panelist. You see him on Around the Horn on ESPN as well, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Woody, when you look at what Nolan Arenado is going to bring to the Cardinals, you mentioned 290 hitter, potentially 35-plus homers. Can you give a little bit more insight into what kind of a player it is that the Cardinals fans are going to be able to watch on a day-in, day-out basis? We've heard a lot of comps to a guy like Scott Rowland. Is that is that kind of what Cardinals fans can expect? Yeah, if you're an old Cardinals fan, uh, you remember Kenny Boyer. Yeah, uh, his brother, his brother Cleet, who played for the Yankees, was one of the best defensive players of all time. Kenny was not a, the greatest de- defensive player, but he was a solid, solid hitter. You know, just a great all-star for years and years. So if people are old enough, if they're not old enough to remember him, uh, you're going to find a guy that's won eight Gold Gloves. I mean, <laughs> that should prove something. Every year he's been in the league, he's won a Gold Glove. And with the shift, here's something nobody's talking about. With the shift, he usually has to field the entire side of the infield. Guess what? He can. So that's what's something that people can look forward to, that you can put three guys on one side of second base and R&O on the other side of second base, and you might as well have two or three players over on that side too. I think that's something for you guys to think about. And as I said, he's going to be a number three, number four hitter, and you now got a first baseman and third baseman that I think are, you know, solid quality drive and runs kind of, I mean, Arnauto's led the league and, and runs batted in. So if I say it's going to be a 290 hitter in, in, in St. Louis, I think that's a good number. But more importantly than that, I think he'll drive in you know, 115, 120 runs. So you got a, a, the best defensive uh, third baseman, shortstop. You know, the entire side of the field, and you got a guy that's going to be uh, uh, driving runs, over 100 runs every year. No question in my mind about that. So, And a good guy. People are going to love him. I mean, he's, he's not a whiner, uh, even though he's kind of, you know, because what he said was, they don't disre- they disrespect me. And he was talking about the general manager mm-hmm. who wouldn't talk to him for a year. So, uh, St. Louis is going to love him. I mean, best baseball town in America, I think. And uh, St. Louis is going to fall in love with this guy. Just like, you know, Matt Holliday was toward the end of his career. But he still did a nice job there and got into World Series with the Cardinals. Well, guess what? Uh, Arenado, Arenado is, is twice the player that Matt Holliday was when he came to the Cardinals. Woody, we sincerely appreciate the time. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, man. People can follow you on Twitter at your name, Woody Page, W-O-O-D-Y. Always appreciate the time. They can read you over in the Colorado Springs Gazette. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on, guys, and uh, congratulations on pulling off uh, the great train robbery. Absolutely. This is what we're here for. <laughs> thanks, Woody. Thanks, All the best, Woody. man. <laughs> gotcha. Absolutely. That is Woody Page joining us here on 101 ESPN. He he said there at the end, he thinks that Nolan Arnato could potentially finish with 115 RBI. Do in a know, season? I'm okay in, with in that. A season. Do you know who the last Cardinal was to do that? Mm, Matt Holliday? The last Cardinal no. to finish Pools? with at least 115 RBI. It has been done 10 times for the Cardinals since 2000. I'd say Pujols was the last Albert one. Albert Pujols did it nine times. Oh my nine. God. Who was nine the other one? Nine times. Scott Rowland.
Scott Rowland in 2004 is the only other guy to do it in the last 20 years for Cardinals like uh, baseball. Numbers. Yeah, so if if Nolan Arenado is able to do that, he would be the first Cardinal to hit at least 115 RBI in a single season since Albert Pujols did it in 2010. He was awesome. the last guy to do it. Uh, other than him and Scott Rowland, the highest in Cardinals history over the last 20 years is Ryan Ludwig in 2008, who had 113 ribbies. That's a fun that trivia season. question. Yeah, how about that? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax slide. If you got some questions, whether it be about the Blues or I would imagine Nolan Arenado, we'll answer some of them in questions and answers coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Hey guys, now that the Cardinals have added Nolan Arenado, do you think that they're going to add anybody as a corner outfielder to help as a lefty bat? What do you think here, Ferrario? I don't know if you need to get a corner outfielder as much. And we were texting with each other, and this is another guy that I've been high on this off season, and it's Jonathan Scope. I, I mean, look, he, he's not a corner outfielder for you, but you know what that does? It gives you somebody who can offset a Tommy Edmond at second base and Tommy Edmond can be a corner outfielder. Now, I don't think you want to log jam that outfield right now because now we're in the point where you have five guys, maybe six. If you insert Justin Williams's name to find out who they truly are, but I'd be all on board getting another infielder like a Jonathan scope who can play shortstop. He can play second. And then Tommy Edmond has the opportunity to be another one of those platoon guys, but also play in the outfield and give days off where need be. That's how I think you would be able to bolster this team. I agree. I think Scope's the guy. I would look more into the infield just because I want someone that's either A, going to start at second that has a little more pop, which Scope does, or a guy that could come off the bench with pop because I don't have faith in Matt Carpenter being that guy you can consistently count on coming off the bench. And again, like you mentioned with the outfield, it's kind of a log jam already. We got to sort out the outfield so we know what we have going forward. That's why I would say don't worry about a bat in the outfield to add. If you're going to add add to the infield, I think scope makes a ton of sense for the Cardinals. So I looked up earlier today some of the best lefty bats available because I heard, sadly, Greg Amsinger on with the morning show. And he said, hey, I was talking to people around baseball. The Cardinals were in on Jock Peterson. Look, I know and, you're disappointed, BK, but they got something better than that. No, I'm with you. I, I would take Arenado <laughs> over Jock Peterson every day of the week. That's good. That's good. But according to Greg Amsinger, again, who was on with the morning show earlier today, check out the podcast 101ESPN.com. The free 101 ESPN app is presented by I Promise. He basically said they had an offer out there and they thought he was going to be a Cardinal. And then the Cubs came in last minute, swooped in, and they were able to get the deal done. I think the Cardinals were hoping that they could have Arenado plus Wayno plus Yachty um, going into this upcoming season. I think that was the plan. Yeah. And then the Cubs just swooped in at the last minute. Right. So the tough part is if you were looking for a real upgrade, like a tangible upgrade as a lefty bat, Jock Peterson definitely presented that. Mm -hmm. The guys that still remain out there, I'm not sure do. It's Brett Gardner, Josh Reddick, Adam Duvall, and Nomar Mazzara are probably the best lefty bats that'll be in their price range that they're looking at. Gardner's an interesting option, but I think he's going back to the Yankees. And even if he doesn't, is he a significant enough upgrade for you offensively that you would rather have him than the upside potentially of Justin Williams? I, I would say probably yes, just because I think now I'm looking at this team as a legitimate contender. Mm -hmm. And I think even those marginal upgrades are worthwhile. And I don't think he's going to break the bank, but 
I'm not going to be upset if they don't add him. It's, right. it's hard for me to be like, that's that's the guy that's going to make or break their season. I think you can get a guy like that at the trade deadline or in the middle of the season if they need yeah, it. Yeah, and you can even go into spring training, a, a guy that who's still sitting out there that wants a job to come in and really fight for a, a spot. Adam Duvall's intriguing to me. I know he's old and I know people aren't high on him, but look, if you have the DH, He's somebody who can at least compete for that position. But again, I I don't know if I need outfielders to play because I have the defense in guys of Carlson, O'Neal, and Bader, and insert Elaine Thomas if he's healthy this season. And then on top of it, I I want more Tyler O'Neal to find out what this truly is. So again, I go back to that infield, and I know Scope's not a lefty bat, but he does provide you defense. He does provide you the opportunity to have somebody come off the bench and spell guys like Paul DeYoung in the middle of a season. So here's another problem. They've got a roster crunch. I just put down the numbers of guys that we think are going to be on the roster going into next year. Yachty's going to be here. I We'll see when that gets announced, but I would be stunned if they don't bring him back. You put point. that 100%? 100%. There you go. Percentage guy you, over here. You guys good? 100%? I'm We're good all with, on the same page here? With, after an Arnado trade, I'm good. I'm 110%. <laughs> I don't think... Maybe they would still make that move even if Yachty was back. Probably do, especially given what it took to acquire him. But I think it there was certainty on the Yachty mm-hmm. market for me whenever he was signed. Kisner is going to be his backup or somebody. They'll have a, ca- a backup catcher. You've got Goldie, Edmund, DeYoung, Arenado on the infield. You're going to have some kind of a backup infielder. Carpenter will definitely be one. I would think Sosa would be the other, but we'll see yeah. there who that guy is. Fowler, Bader, Thomas, Williams, Carlson, O'Neill. That's 14 guys that I just mentioned as offensive pieces that are expected to be on the big league roster. And two spots aren't going to be resting that season. There's only so many roster spots you can take up with major league hitters. So even if they did want to go out and add a player, it would come at the expense of one of these guys potentially being around, not just for this year, but for the future. Mm -hmm. I think that we might, this might be the roster going into the year. I think we might already be able to go ahead and set that in stone, in my opinion. I agree with that one. I would agree, too. I think the roster is pretty much set in stone. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, one of my all-time favorite blues, frankly, my favorite all-time blues player, Troy Brower is going to join the show. What's he been up to? What's he think of the products that we've seen thus far from the blues? Troy Brower is going to join the show next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Thrilled to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. One of my all-time favorite blues to watch is Troy Brower joining us here on the show. Troy, we always appreciate the time, man. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, kind of hanging out. Uh, my son's not in school today, so uh, we're going to go out and skate on the outdoor rink in a little bit. And then uh, other than that, just hang out and uh, do my thing. So, Troy, I, I think a lot of Blues fans are kind of wondering, what have you been up to this year? I mean, we, we miss having you on the Blues. What's this year been like for you uh, being away from the team for the first time in a while? Uh, you know what? It's been a little bit wild. Uh, it's definitely been a, a, a lot of a culture change. I know my kids are really enjoying having me around a lot more, uh, dropping them off at school, picking them up, being around all day, every day. Um, but uh, for me, I'm actually still still skating, still still training. Um, I've talked to a couple teams. Uh, had some preliminary talks with the Blues a little while ago, but 
you know, they, they feel that they're, they're set with what they got right now. So that didn't pan itself out, which, uh, you know, was a big disappointment to me because I loved uh, being in St. Louis and being a blue. So uh, for me, still hoping something will come up here, you know, with uh, injuries and COVID and all that kind of stuff, who knows what's going to go on. And, and uh, I'm just staying ready and, and uh, having fun being a dad and being with the family right now. Well, Troy, do plan, let's plan this. The next time the blues are close to the vicinity where you're at, let's, let's, let's set up a, a, a trip for you to go convince Doug Armstrong <laughs> that he needs you back on this roster. Because frankly, we loved having you here in St. Louis, buddy. Oh, I love being there. That city was so much fun. You know, my son was born there. Uh, you know, we spent two years there and, and had an absolute blast. Uh, the people are amazing. The fans are awesome. The organization is first class. And um, if, if the opportunity comes up again, I'll jump at it for sure. That's awesome. Well, Troy, I'm curious, buddy, because this is obviously an unprecedented season and you've been paying close attention to it. I know uh, trying to get back on, the, on, on an NHL team. What what have you made from this season so far of playing 56 games in such a tight vicinity and on top of it playing the same division eight times? It's it's wild, you know. To me, to be honest with you, I've been you know watching a lot of the games, um, trying to you know watching a lot of friends and stuff like that, and and trying to figure out exactly what it's like talking to guys. Um, you know, it's got to be insanely difficult. I know a lot of people don't probably realize that when you go on the road for those you know, two or three games, you're not allowed to leave the hotel for the most part, you know, maybe go for a walk, but you can't go, can't go to the movies, can't go grab a coffee, stuff like that. So it's got to be very trying on the players as far as just sitting in that hotel and kind of finding ways to kill time and not even being able to hang out with each other. I mean, you saw Washington with those four guys getting suspended and and the team being fined. So, I mean, the NHL is really trying to lock down that aspect of it, but also just, you know, playing the same teams a couple of days in a row creates a, a little bit more rivalry, but it also gets redundant after a while, if you know what I mean. It's, you know, kind of seeing the same guys and, and having to battle with the same players and, uh, you know, only playing six or seven other teams, depending on what division you're in for the entire season. Um, and then it's a sprint and, and rape in the beginning, no breaks, um, no halts in play. And also, like everyone's been kind of saying, is they're all four-point games. If you go in and you lose a series to, um, I'll just say Colorado, if you're St. Louis, all of a sudden you're eight points behind and you're playing catch-up. So luckily the Blues have gotten off to a great start this season and hopefully uh, they'll keep it rolling. Talking to Troy Brower, former Blues forward here on 101 ESPN. Troy, have you noticed any dip in play or any change in the quality of play after what was a shortened preseason and then no preseason games at all? What have you made of the quality of play this year? Um, It's really starting to pick up. It's starting to get back to the level where it should be. Um, It was definitely a little bit sloppy at the beginning. Um, You know, just little things that, uh, you know, you kind of take for granted uh, when you're watching games, you know, those crisp pass on the tape and hitting guys in stride and, um, you know, that decision-making, that timing. Um, those are only things that you can get back during uh, hockey games. And, and, you know, you try and do as much as you can and have those inter-squad games in camp, but with no exhibition games and, and no, like, level of play where, you're, you know, guys are competing to try and make the team against other guys on other teams who are trying to uh, make their team. Um, you know, you don't have that urgency right away out of the gates. And so to be able to, to try and, you know, manufacture that um, in just scrimmages isn't going to happen. And so I've noticed that, you know, the first three or four games, uh, a little sloppy, you know, a lot of, you know, mistakes that are very uncharacteristic for teams. 
um, even at the beginning of the season of uh, a normal year that uh, are slowly starting to correct themselves and, and the hockey is, is getting a lot better and it's only going to get better going forward here. Troy, I, I know you've kind of paid attention to the Blues a little bit. You spoke about it and uh, a player right now at least, and we're nine games in, but a lot of people are talking about is Jordan Cairo. You saw this young kid last year for a little bit with the St. Louis Blues, but watching him on the ice now, uh, did you anticipate this type of player in the NHL for, for how great he's been on the offensive side of the puck? Uh, you know what? I, I've only watched, I'm going to say, half the Blues games, you know, four or five. Watched the season opener, a couple at the beginning. I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch the last two games against Anaheim because uh, uh, they weren't exactly high-priority games on my list, if you know what I mean. Understandable. I, I think so. we have learned the same thing here, Troy. I, I don't think that's a team that's going to be competing for the title. Uh, yeah, I mean, and they got some great players, and, you know, they're in a, a rebuilding stage, but uh, I'd have to agree with you on that one. But, uh, I, you know what, he, he's been playing great this year, and, and uh, you know, there is something to say for being ready. Oh, sorry, I got a house call. Um, <laughs> I don't know, didn't even know I had a house phone. <laughs> Frankly, I'm amazed that you have a house phone, too. I haven't had a house phone, I think, in like 15 years, Troy. <laughs> I just think we got one when we moved into our house here a year or two ago. But anyway, uh, uh, that where were they? Kind of, oh yeah, um, you know, for for a young player to to be able to take that off season and, and get himself ready and make sure that he's at the peak because everybody knows that at the beginning of every season, whether it's this year or regular season, you know that first couple weeks is, is kind of a it's kind of a point zone, if you know what I mean. Is everyone's kind of getting back into it. Teams are trying to figure out what they have and where they're going to fit their guys within their roster. And if you're able to take off out of the gate and get a couple goals, feel good about yourself, that's just going to give you a lot of confidence. That's going to give the coach and the organization confidence in you going forward through the rest of the season. And it's going to solidify your spot um, in that lineup as the season goes on. You know, if you come into a little bit of a uh, tough time and, um, you know, they're going to want to keep that type of player in Cairo up in the lineup because they know what he's able to do and they have that confidence with him at the beginning of the year. That being said, I was a little skeptical, you know, being around him a lot last year. He was one of those players that was kind of, you know, at that point in his career, and it sucks to say, but, you know, when you're 22, 23, 24, teams are trying to figure out, all right, is this a player we're going to go with? Or is it a player that we're going to flip to somebody else and, and give him a fresh start and um, almost essentially like a Fabry type player where, yeah. um, you know, he had a great, you know, first start of the year uh, to his career, tailed off a little bit with injuries, but now he's moved on to a new team and he's doing, you know, doing great with, um, with uh, Detroit now. But, but I think Fabs was kind of at that crossroads or sorry, not Fabs. Uh, Kyrie was kind of at that crossroads where, you know, the Blues weren't quite sure if he was going to fit into their plans going forward. But now, obviously, with the play that he's had, um, he's deserved what he has and, and he's earned what he has. And, and now, you know, he's, he's the top player on that team. And um, he's going to be a guy that they're going to lean on for offense going forward here. We're talking to Troy Brower here on 101 ESPN. Troy, one of the big questions that we had about the team from the outside looking in going into the season was the leadership aspect. I mean, you've you've been in that locker room. You saw the kind of leadership that guys like Bo Meester and Petrangelo and Steen all had in that in that locker room. Now they're all gone, and we all knew what Ryan O'Reilly brings to the table, but guys like Shin have stepped up as well. What did you see uh, from this team in the past, from those guys specifically, that, that would have led you to believe that this was going to be A-OK with the current leadership group in place? 
Oh, well, I mean, I, I was talking to Petro throughout his whole, you know, situation and, and departure and, you know, talking to Steen with his injury and stuff like that. You know, we go back for a number of years here and, and kind of uh, understanding what was going on in their aspect, but also looking inward. And, um, you know, with Ryan O'Reilly, you're, you got a natural leader, man. Like that guy, everyone looked up to him day one from when he stepped in that dressing room, just the way he conducts himself, the way he plays, um, you know, he does the right things. He takes care of himself. He's always looking to encourage guys rather than, you know, beat guys down. And, and he's just a guy that people are drawn to. And so for them to make him the next captain was, you know, for me, an obvious choice. Um, maybe if Steiner was still there, that would be the only one that, you, you know, you would consider um, other than him. But, uh, you know, the, the surrounding group that they have, you know, as you say, um, Schenner's a, a, an unbelievable leader. He's been, you know, a staple in the NHL for a very long time and they had a very good, uh, career as a blue so far and then you know you bring in a guy like Tory Krug as well um, and then you could go even further down the lineup you know uh, you know um, I'm not really going that far down the lineup but uh, <laughs> you know, you know Jaden Schwartz is all, you know an amazing guy in that room that everybody looks up to you bring in I said Tory Krug um, you know you bring in a guy like Kyle Clifford who's won a couple Stanley Cups um, who's who's been on a couple teams in the last few years but um, you know, he's got that pedigree and I know talking to guys in LA, they absolutely loved him and him being on their team. Um, and so, you know, the back end Paranko is a little bit more of a quiet guy, but he's got a presence in that room. Um, and so even though you lose guys like Bo and Steiner and me, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely you, Troy. <laughs> you're still going to be all right. And, and I know for a fact that Steiner is still well involved with the team, whether you know, I know he's not around the rink anymore, but talking to those guys, he still lives in St. Louis. He's still very, very good friends with all those guys. And so he's still a part of that dressing room, even though he's not technically in there day in and day out as well. Hey, Troy, my final question for you, buddy, and it's great to catch up with you. I want to ask you about a player that I know a lot of people in St. Louis are talking about, and it's Mike Hoffman. You spent that 2018-19 season with him in Florida, and frankly, that was Hoffman's career year, scoring 36 goals uh, in 70 points. Off to a little bit of slow start right now for Mike Hoffman, but what can people expect from this guy once he gets things going? You know what? He's a dangerous player. He's a guy that has an amazing shot and, and world-class skill. Um, you know, he's a guy that doesn't need a lot of room uh, to do what he does and, and get that shot off. You know, he's an amazing power play guy, um, has an absolute missile from that half wall. I, I wouldn't be too worried about, where, you know, his start so far. Is you you got to look at it in a lot of different um, scenarios. He, he, the hockey itself will, will sort itself out and, and the only thing that I may think he has a little bit of uh, trouble adapting to, which a lot of people do, is he's going from being a career um, Eastern Conference guy to now playing for the St. Louis Blues, who is a very defensive, tight, uh, shutdown team. You know, they love to create their offense, but it, it's mainly focused on that defense and uh, takes care of the rest. And so you're going from a team like Florida, who is a lot more offensive-minded, um, Ottawa, who is a lot more offensive minded and just a, a conference that, you know, has it a little bit more open rather than, you know, shut everything down. And so that's going to take a little bit of time for Hoff to, to kind of figure out, you know, what's going to work for him, uh, what style of play he's going to have. And then also, I mean, you're coming to a new team and as you know, everyone always says, you know, it, it can be tough. It can be easy depending on how you fit in and everything. But, you know, I, I was talking to him a little bit right before he signed, and he wasn't quite sure he was coming to St. Louis. So, you know, that little bit of unknown coming to a new city, uh, I don't know if he knew very many of the guys on the team. So having to, you know, learn the guys, learn the coaches, and then other things as well, like, 
Now he's got to figure out in the city of St. Louis where to get groceries, you know, where <laughs> he's going to take his dogs to the vet. You know what I mean? Just little things like that that kind of get overshadowed and stuff like that. So there's a lot going on um, in a very, very short period of time for him. And, and you know, he's, a, like I said, he's a world-class player. Um, you know, anyone who can score 20, let alone 36 goals in this league, regardless of what team you're on or division you're in, you know, you're going to fo- sort yourself out here. And so I wouldn't be too worried about him. Um, it, it's just that, you know, getting settled period and, and uh, he's going to be off to the races here soon, I can tell. Well, Troy, someone on our text line made a great point. Uh, you may want to go check that house phone because that might have been Doug Armstrong calling to get you over here in St. Louis <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, check the call display and then maybe I'll even send him a text just, just to double check. <laughs> Troy, you're the best, man. We always appreciate the time. Always enjoy having you on. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Absolutely. Troy. That is Troy Brower, former Blues forward, one of my all-time favorites, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Just an absolute delight to talk with him. I love that he had um, that take on Mike Hoffman. It, it makes me feel a little bit better about where we're at with him. I'm not super worried about Hoffman, but if we're going like scale of one to 10 concern level, after a few games, I was at like a two. Mm-hmm. I'm up to like a three or a four now. Um, I, I do think it is fair to be a little worried given the fact that we are now eight games into the season. And before the season, we say 10 games, 10, 12 games. We should probably have a pretty good feel for where this team's going to be. We're getting dangerously close to that. And he still just has that one goal on the year. I'd like to see more production out of him. I would like to see him more involved with the offense. So hopefully he's able to get that as we go along here, uh, especially against the Coyotes yeah. in this next series. Real quick, PK, I know we got to hit a break, but I'll say this about Mike Hoffman. He's getting more shots. It's You could see the frustration between him and Thomas right now because they're, it's just not clicking. But he is one of those guys, and I know this from talking to hockey players, when you score that first goal, and he's gotten a goal already, but it was a deflection. When he scores that first pure Mike Hoffman wrist shot goal, the monkey's going to come off of his back, and I think he's going to really unload from there. It's just a matter of clicking right now on both ends. So we'll get to that point, but it's just a little bit struggling and slow start for Mike Hoffman. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Also, the Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. I want to hear from you guys. When was the last time that you were this excited, both about the Cardinals as a whole and also about a specific acquisition like what we just saw over the weekend with Nolan Arenado. We'll hear from you coming up next. Plus, I think the Cardinals not only just became the favorite for the NL Central next year, they became the favorite in this division for many years to come. We'll talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. me the Cardinals have made a move that now puts them in a position because the Cubs have have sold their away their their opportunity in my opinion uh the Reds I, I'm really upset with the Reds for what this offseason has looked like mm. um, Milwaukee Brewers I think are are a sneaky team Pirates are a long way to go the Cardinals are going to have run of this division now for a three to five year period good luck if you're the rest of the division so uh, they're in a really good spot I'm going over the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app right now. Are you betting on the World Series championship? Nope, not doing that. <laughs> Buzz However, Killington. I am interested to see what the Cardinals' odds are to win this division right now. Oh, because I remember we looked at it a few weeks ago, uh-huh. and it was not the Cardinals. It was the Reds who were the favorites to win the NL Central. 
I have a feeling that's no longer going to be the case. I have a feeling that the Cardinals will now be the favorites to win the division. So I can't find specifically the odds for that right now. I'll tell you, it's 10 to 1. It's no, I just to made win that the up. division. That no, seems I just, crazy. I just made that up. However, they are twenty-four to one to win the World Series. That was pretty close. That's too long. Those odds are too long. Really? Just like with the uh, with the Blues going into the year, eighteen to one. Yeah, that was a joke. That was incorrect. That was the wrong odds. They were just they clearly were not seeing the team the way that we are. The Cardinals should not be. So the Braves are ten to one. The Mets are eleven to one. The Cardinals are not that much worse than either of those two teams. In fact, I think you can make a strong case the Cardinals are better than both of those teams right now. Mm-hmm. This division is the Cardinals not just for this year, but as you heard there coming back from Spilly of MLB Network, this is the Cardinals' division for years to come. They have finally found their transition. They have gone going to go at least from Wayno to Flaherty. They're going from Yachty to Arenado. They have acquired another superstar previously in Paul Goldschmidt. Carlson should develop into whether it be a superstar or a star or just a very good player. You're expecting that from him. Paul DeYoung, very good player that you can expect to be here for the long term. The Cardinals now have their core, guys. The reason why they were able to have sustained success in the early 2000s is because they had this group of players that were all here Not just for one, two, three years, but for the long haul. Look around the diamond. That's what the Cardinals have right now. Yvonne Herrera, that's going to be your next catcher probably for the next decade. You've got Dylan Carlson. He's going to be patrolling the outfield for a decade. Nolan Arenado is going to be here for seven years. Paul Goldschmidt's going to be here for the next three or four years at least. Paul DeYoung going to be here for the next three or four years at least. This team is now in place all across the diamond. So that transition period we were talking about that was supposed to take place this year going into next offseason, they just expedited that process. And suddenly it's happening right before our very eyes. Well, and they did so by keeping the the minor prospects as well that are going to turn into a piece of this. I mean, look, you kept Matthew Libator, who is going to be hopefully a next ace for you. You might have a one-two punch like you used to with a Carpenter and Wainwright. You're going to have Zach Thompson who provides depth with your pitching staff that might offset the loss of an Austin Gomber in that trade if that's who's going the other way. You kept Yvonne Herrera. You kept a Jordan Walker. You kept a Nolan Gorman. You've built that transition to a positive and easy sliding scale rather than what it felt like you were just thrusting guys into a position and not knowing if they were going to succeed with it. So, yeah, you've created this opportunity to be good for the next six to eight years with all of these players. The lifespan of basically the Nolan Arenado contract, the Paul Goldschmidt contract, and the cost control that you have with a Dylan Carlson, a Paul DeYoung, and a Jack Flaherty. That's going to be crucial. But if you look at the other teams in the NL Central, Pirates aren't going to be any good anytime no. soon. The Reds have aging players right now, and I don't know if they have the right transition for guys like a, a Eugenio Suarez or a Joey Votto. And the Brewers, the Brewers are only as good as Christian Yelich will be. And the Cubs are about to offla- offload all of these top players. They're about players. to go into tank mode. Early 2010s yeah. tank mode. That's what they're going to so be So you are the only team right now that has a competitive roster that's going to remain a competitive roster for the next five seasons while all of these other teams look like they're going to be doing a hard reset rather than what the Cardinals just did in a mid-transition reset. I just looked at the FanDuel odds, so I found this. The Cardinals are 2-1 to one to win the NL Central. I'm not somebody that's going to tell you how to spend your money. Go hammer that. That is a bet that I would make 100 times out of 100. The Cardinals will win this division in 2021, barring something completely unforeseen. Flip that, T-Bone. 
There is there's no argument against the St. Louis Cardinals as currently constructed with Nolan Arenado in the mix. There is no argument against this team being the clear cut, obvious favorite to win this division. There's what is the argument for another team in this division right now? Do you guys have one? Because I, I can't see one at all. They're clearly the most talented. They are probably the best managed. They are a franchise that is actually going for it this year. So instead of selling off throughout the season, which the Cubs could do, the Reds could do, the Brewers could do, the Pirates almost certainly will do, the Cardinals are going in the opposite direction. They're more likely to add going into the end of the season. Not to be... Buzz Killington, because that's BK's job over here. I know T Bone, but I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna answer his question because if there is an area that has to succeed to help this team be this favorite in the NL Central, it's going to be the pitching. And, and Joe Buck, who was talking with Carriker and Smallman earlier today, said it. Also, you got to get the the Cy Young candidate Jack Flaherty out of this. You have to get Miles Michaelis to regain the form that he was before his injury. And really, you got to have Adam Wainwright because you don't have Dakota Hudson this year. I do believe that's not going to be a problem for this Cardinals team. And it's a problem for every other team and in the it division is a problem as well. The other <laughs> so, teams. like, right. if we want to go down that path, sure, the Cardinals have some question marks, but at least they have the positive potential right. answers there. There's the upside with their question marks in the rotation. The Cubs just have old pitchers who throw 80, uh, okay. high 80s. Well, Kyle Hendricks shuts out the Cardinals every time he plays them. So That's great true. to have one guy. <laughs> like you, you're going to need more than that, especially going into this season when guys are going to be able, be throwing <laughs> way fewer innings than they would in a typical season. <laughs> Why the hell would you BKO the Cardinals? <laughs> WTF? <laughs> Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line uh, to get involved in the show. Also, the Rhino Shield mic drop is on the one hundred one ESPN app. When was the last time that you were this excited about a Cardinals acquisition? Because it clearly has me excited. This is the move that I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for them to make this kind of a move. They are, they finally took the jump into the superstar market. That's what this is. I know that they got $50 million reportedly from the Rockies. They're still taking on a massive contract. They took on a significant contract with Paul Goldschmidt as well. This is the move that they were missing. They're they're done playing in those mid-tier market, and they finally acquired the guy that can help in the middle of their order. So I'm curious for Cardinals fans how you're internalizing all of this. Let's go out to Brandon, who sent us in a mic drop. Now that Arenado's on his way to St. Louis, I've realized one thing. It wasn't the pandemic that had me down in the dumps. It was the Cardinals, and they have just relieved me of all that sadness. I'm already looking for his jersey. Let's go cards. I got a text by my buddy yesterday who said I'm buying a Nolan Arenado jersey right now. One of my buddies uh, from St. Louis lived here and grew up a Cardinals fan. Uh, texted me whenever this was announced Friday night, right? And he was like, listen, I, I'm, I've been a Cardinals fan my entire life. My favorite player was Scott Rowland growing up. Mm-hmm. This is the most excited I've been about the Cardinals since those early to mid-2000s yeah. teams. I was thinking about this earlier today because I, I told you guys, I used to want to be at that ballpark when I was a kid because of Scott Rowland. I loved watching this guy play. And Danny Mac said it earlier today with you on Danny Mac with BK. He was a guy that that made people want to pay top dollar to come to the ballpark. And the Cardinals haven't had that since Pujols left. They got that back now because I have this like this internal urge to want to pay money to go watch this team play and that is a huge thing right now for the DeWitts and the Cardinals yeah and you know I said heading into this season they were a boring team why would you go watch they were a boring team we looked at the offense and you said well they're not going to hit they got Goldie that's about it now I look at them and like you said Alex 
I would pay to go watch this team play. They added excitement. They made themselves legitimate contenders at having a run at the National League Championship, Mm -hmm. and they did it with one move, and they gave up literally nothing for him yeah, basically money like they, they essentially signed nolan arenado is, is basically million what they for did. six years is what you did yeah they, they they gave him an under market value deal that they essentially acquired via free agency now they gave up prospects i understand that but the guys they gave up were gonna say if you're upset about john torres and luca baker then uh, look you, you got problems with that because those two, they may turn into significant players at some point, but they're never going to be Nolan Arenado. No, and uh, like Gomber is the guy that is supposedly reportedly headlining this package. I like Austin Gomber. You guys know I've been like leading the train, leading the hype train of him potentially um, being in this rotation and being a significant part of this rotation. If that's what it takes to acquire a guy like this, you do it a hundred times out of a hundred. There's yep. no no question about it. They also, to your point on like being excited to watch the Cardinals this year, they have guys that are appointment television. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt hitting is appointment television. Nolan Arenado fielding is appointment TV. Jack Flaherty pitching this year is going to be appointment television. And you've got the added in sentimentality of it all of this being the last run for future Cardinals Hall of Famers and baseball Hall of Famer and Yadier Molina. Yadi and Wayno are both going to be back for one more ride together. Yeah, like this. There are legitimate storylines that are positive on this team that make you want to tune in every single night. And I think people need to also remember and look, I'm not not trying to jump ahead of this upcoming season, but you are going into next off season with a lot of money coming off of the books. If you want to look at this team and say, Hey, now we need to go find another piece to turn this team from a easy NL central winner and a contender with the world series to a team that can put a lot of pressure on the Dodgers and Padres. They'll have that ability to do that next off season. Let's go out to the Rhino shield. Mike drop one more time. Let's hear from Andrew. That's a great question. And I am proud to answer it. Never, ever, ever have I ever been this excited. We got what we needed. Wow. They did what they did, and it's perfect. BK, you're the best. Oh, that's very, not, very kind of you. I I do think it's a little little bit high praise to say you've never been this excited. Because <laughs> I, I was pretty damn excited from, what, 99 to about 2011 in those Albert yeah. Pujols years. <laughs> I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? Yeah. Like, I... I wasn't around to see the, the late 60s. I, I can't speak to that, right? But the early 2000s, I was watching that as a jealous fan in Kansas City at the time, seeing the success that was happening on the other side of the state and being like, man, if only my baseball team could have that kind of success with those kinds of players in the middle of the lineup. I would imagine that you were more excited about, or at least equally tied for first, maybe in the words of Tony nice. Larusa, excited about those teams as you are about this one. But I think that's the comp. I think you have to go back to that time period in St. Louis baseball lore to be able to compare something aptly with where we are today with this team. I think it was when the Cardinals got Mark Mark McGuire. That's what you go back to. Now, I don't know. I don't really remember because I think it was like six years old at the time when they acquired Scott Rowland. But I don't remember what the buzz around St. Louis when they got him from the Philadelphia Phillies or Jim Edmonds from the Angels but at least from a lot of people's texts, tweets, and from talking to people, Mark McGuire was the last time that people were this amped up about a acquisition by the Cardinals. You know what I'm excited about? The Cardinals are throwing their weight around a little bit. The Cardinals are, are, are have basically announced, we're back. We're back, baby. Because there was a time period in the NL Central where 
people were coming for the throne a little bit. They they were saying, you know, we're not so sure if the Cardinals are going to be all in, 100% invested in winning the way that they once were. Because the Cardinals in the early 2000s, we talk about the development of guys internally and all that. They also were throwing around a lot of money. Oh, yeah. They, they were willing to go out there and give Scott Rowland that contract. They were willing to acquire what was a pretty sizable deal with Larry Walker. They brought in Jim Edmonds, and it wasn't like he was playing for free out there in the outfield. Huh. They, were, they were paying money to Albert Pujols even early in his tenure. He ended up signing here before he signed that massive deal out in Anaheim. So let's, let's remember that they were throwing their weight around then. They're doing that a little bit now again. They've reverted back to who they were previously, and that's part of this as well. If I'm another team in the NL Central, I'm looking up now at the Cardinals. I'm not looking at a peer anymore. That's a team that I have to look up to, and that's that's something that I haven't been able to say in close to a decade now in the NL Central, and that's that's a worthwhile piece component to all this as well. You know, something we talked about all offseason was, did the Cardinals lose their way? You know, is that the winning formula anymore? Well, the Cardinals just... Basically showed all four teams in the NL Central. Yeah, this is how you got to do it. This is this, we established ourselves. We are back. If you want to win going forward, you have to do what we're going to do. Otherwise, you might as well just sell off and we'll just sit atop the throne here in the yeah. NL Central. And look, the Cubs did it. I mean, the Cubs did it to get to the World Series. They they not only grew those players, but they went out and signed John Lester to a major contract. They signed Jason Hayward, which didn't work, but essentially they got the World Series when they signed him. But now, I don't even know if it's looking up by these other NL Central teams. I think it's all of these NL Central teams waving the white flag saying, hey, we can't compete with that. You know, even the Milwaukee Brewers with Christian Yelich, hey, we surrender, man. We we can't compete with that. We'll go for a wild card, but we're not going to steal yeah. those from you anymore. And you got the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates that are saying, hey, you know what? Let's just start from scratch again, which is why the Cardinals have just... They've kept that window open for a good five to eight years of saying, hey, we are the top dog in the NL Central. Good luck trying to compete with us. And outside of the Dodgers, there's no other team in base in the National League that the Cardinals should look at right now. Or if you're a Cardinals fan and say, "Mm, can't compete with them, you can compete with the Padres. You can. This team can absolutely compete with the Padres. In what world are the Padres significantly better than the Cardinals? I think think their starting pitching puts them above the Cardinals. Yeah, but you went up against the best starting pitching in the, well, I guess it's not a good example to give with the Washington Nationals. But look, you didn't perform against the Washington Nationals who had the best one, two, three punch in Major League Baseball in that postseason, and you couldn't perform. But you didn't have an Nolan Arenado at the time. Also, bullpens matter. Like, you can have their starting pitching. It's better than the Cardinals. And You're pitching, absolutely right. And pitching depth matters, too. I'll, I'll take the Cardinals' 25 pitchers as opposed to the Padres' seven or so that I feel confident I in. will say, though, that I'm a little with T-Bone on this because what makes me concerned about that Padres team is the batting order. And our pitching against that batting order is not going to be an easy task. Cardinals' batting order stacks up pretty well with that. I know people are going to laugh at it. I know they're going to say this is crazy and whatever. I, I get it. But if, if Dylan, it all kind of hinges on Dylan Carlson. But if Carlson is the player that they believe he can be, the Cardinals are not. I, I don't even know if they for sure are. But they're definitely not far behind where the par- Padres are offensively with their order. By the way, I wanted to get this in from the 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys with the potential gold glovers at every position in the infield. Do you think that the Cardinals could have the greatest show on dirt? Touche to use, sir or madam, for that test. Kind of like it. I do kind of like that. I kind of like that. And yes, I would agree. That might be the greatest show on dirt. What do we think? Is that, is that something that could potentially I'm not. Stick? I'm not using that. No. Greatest show on dirt? I like it. I kind of yeah, like no. it. 
Well, not a fan. go back to rooting about Matt Stafford, T-Bone. I, I think <laughs> I'm here for that. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're going to dive into the junk drawer coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Old friend alert, guys. Old friend alert as we dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. Wait, I'm new here. What's that mean? What's old friend alert mean? Have you guys heard who is a candidate for the Montana State football job? Uh, Bill O'Brien. No, James Laurinaitis. New offensive line coach, I do believe. Or no, offensive coordinator down at Alabama. Doug Marone, former Jaguars coach, is their new offensive line coach down at Alabama. Nick Saban saving lives. That's all he's saving lives. That's what he does. (laughs) Just do things a little differently down there, Um, Alabama. I'm trying to think of old friend alert. Jeff Fisher? No. Jeff Fisher. No. Jeff Fisher is officially a candidate at Montana State. This comes according to Football Scoop. They're one of the best in the business whenever it comes to uh, college football openings according to them jeff fisher is officially a candidate uh they say that he might even be interested in the job not just a candidate from the team side of things he might be interested fisher tweeted a photo from a uh airplane on saturday which was later identified as being right around the Montana area oh, wait, wait, where wait. the college campus ah, is. I bet you Montana State's excited to go 7-9 and nine for the next 10 years. Jeez. Oh, His son played at Montana in 2019 and spent the season as a uh, defense coordinator at Southern Utah. So he is definitely familiar with the area. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Fisher either lived in or lives in like Wyoming or something like he that. He looks like a Wyoming guy. I don't know. Why would you go hire Jeff Fisher to be a, a college coach nonetheless? What, a coach who went to the Super Bowl in the NFL? You're not going to hire him? No. <laughs> look at Illinois. They did it with Lovey Smith. It didn't work. Well, Lovey Smith looks like, hey, by the time Lovey Smith was, was let go from Illinois, he looks like he has gone through some ish. <laughs> what a fall from get grace for Jeff Fisher. You say fall from grace, but how much money are we talking here? I mean, this guy might be making like $10 million to go uh, no, $500,000 okay. is what their old <laughs> coach saying. made. What a fall from grace. Then. This is not, I'm not talking FBS group of five. This is an FCS team in FCS. Think about how this guy was in a Super Bowl 20, literally 20 years ago. And now he's potentially a candidate. Like, who are the other candidates for this job? Who is he going up against? A like, high school coach, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nebraska offensive coordinator Matt Lubbock. Why would you leave for that job? Oregon State previously head coach Mike Riley Oregon's is a job better than Montana. And the Oklahoma State running backs and tight ends coach are the other people of interest in this search. Hey, great question from the 314 Air Comfort Service text on 65780. Is there any truth to his son wearing the number 79? <laughs> that would certainly uh, Wait, make a whole understand. lot of sense. T-Bone doesn't get it. Seven, really? Nine, seven, and nine. I'm not going seven oh, and nine. I guess. Dang it, Come I'm on, slow. T-Bone. Stay Come on, with Taylor. us. Keep up with us, Stay with guy. us, buddy. Come I'm on, I'm rooting man. for him. I hope he gets the job at Montana State and uh, promptly goes 0-12 in his first year. Right. Can't wait to see it. Well, look, that would be a... Uh, well, ho- it'd be five and seven in, the, in college football, though, right? That's what we yeah. should expect from him? Five Instead and seven. Instead of seven and nine, it'd be five yeah. and seven BS? Yeah. Go go six and six. And you're, then we're talking success here, Jeff Fisher. Uh, speaking of haunting sites, because that would be haunting watching Jeff Fisher in Montana. So I was reading this yesterday, guys. 
There is a report of a haunted Elsa doll in Montana. This is incredible. From Frozen? From Frozen. So this family bought this Frozen doll back in 2013. It's one of these dolls that press the button on the neck and she sings songs from Frozen. She'll talk. But as the years went on, all of a sudden, this Elsa doll went from speaking English to speaking Spanish. And then it went to this Elsa doll starts talking without anybody present in the room. And then it went into this Elsa doll starts laughing in the middle of the night. Have you ever seen The Haunting of Bly Manor? Because that's certainly what this is starting to sound like. like. Well, it's going to get creepier from here. So what the family did was they said, ah, doll's got to go. This is creeping us out. Threw it in the trash. Trash company came and picked it up. Gone. Well, not so much because a day later it showed back up. In front of the house, there's a picture of it online. I'll retweet it. It was basically sitting in the corner next to the trash no, can. Uh-uh. Got rid of it again. It's the doll's house. What they? It's the doll's <laughs> house. What, so what they did again, and this was back in 2019 that the report happened. They basically put it in a box and burned it. Showed back up in the kids' no. room a week later. No. Okay, okay. Simple, you gotta move. simple solution. What's the solution? Some well, okay, maybe not a solution. Just simple answer to what's going on here. The neighbors just messing with them. They saw the doll get thrown out. No, nope. they the neighbor, lit it on fire. They lit the it on fire. You could go buy another one. That's what I'm saying. They bought another no, one. No, they said it's the this same is, doll it, because it has markings on its face from the daughter drawing on uh, it and uh, things uh, like uh, that. That's a simple explanation. The the person that has this doll said, "Never, man, this freaking doll. It is talking to, speaking <laughs> Spanish." Now and they ever went, oh my god, oh my, it's probably the same guy that did the joke about uh, what was it, his wife not being his kid. It's probably the same dude. I don't think so. That was in Britain. This is in Mont or this was in uh, Ohio. So here's my question because we're, we're still looking for houses going out and you know, you tour the house and everything. You've got the MLS listing where mm-hmm. it discloses all of the things like that the have happened team. in the house. No, very oh, different. Okay. Um, it discloses everything that's happened in the past about the house. I would imagine if you're trying to sell this house, you probably have to disclose this, right? Well, is it the house or is it the doll, though? I think it's the it's doll. It's the doll's house. It is the <laughs> doll's house. Hey, look, beautiful house, three-bedroom, two-bath, basement is finished, and there's a haunted Elsa doll that uh, keeps showing up. Mm-mm. Well, what they've done, so this, this is... i that one off of the, off of the <laughs> viewing here. Let me show you a picture of this, BK. So what they've done is they've they sent this doll. So this is a picture of the doll, and I'll retweet this at Ferrari 101 ESPN. They're lying. So what this... This was before the burn. Oh, okay. So 2020, so January, so last year, a month this ago... This has been going on for Oh, this has been going year? on for seven years. What? So they sent this doll Impressive. to a guy in Florida... Because this guy was like, hey, I'll take it off your hands. And what he said he's going to do is he's going to tie it to the front of his truck. And he said, if anything happens weird that way, he's going to burn it to ashes and put it into a lead pipe and throw it at the bottom of the ocean. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Now, this is creepy as hell. From the 314, guys, I've heard this story before. The daughter colored on the doll and the same marks were on the doll every time it returned. Also from the 636, some dolls have switches now to allow them to speak Spanish. Most people don't know that. Yeah, but the girl has said she'd never switched it. Well, that could have been an accident. Accidentally happened. And even if she did, that's like the least interesting part of this story. The thing's laughing by itself. And, And it's returned for seven years. Yeah. Well, let's not forget either. Alexis had the problem where they would laugh on oh, themselves. Geez. Mine did that too for a while. What? It's okay. Yeah. Hold on. Hold, Your Alexa you just randomly laughs? No, no, it would randomly like talk. No, I don't like Big Brother listening to and me. And it would all of a sudden. What? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it would suddenly just say, 
What was that? I didn't understand. And I'm like looking around. I go, no one said anything. That's a little weird, but it's okay. <laughs> From the 314, garage sale that thing. And I don't know if a garage sale, I don't <laughs> know if a garage sale would work. 573, take the batteries out. They did take the batteries out. And that's when it started talking without pushing any buttons on it. 65780 is the air comfort service sex line from the 636. Guys, when we were house hunting, we came across a house that was either haunted or a murder took place in the basement. What? (laughs) How is that an either or? (laughs) So I feel like that needs to be disclosed specifically what had taken place when the body was found in the basement. T-Bone, you know what we need to do when BK and Kara buy their first house? We need to get a doll and like rig it so it like makes noises and we put it in its basement or something. You you know me. You know me well enough by now. You know I would have to sell that house immediately. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I would be moving back in with the in-laws, <laughs> which is not something I need to be doing right now. It seems totally Let unnecessary. Let me ask you this, BK. So you and Kara sleep at night, middle of the night, midnight hits, and you hear some noise in the basement. You going down to check it, or are you sending Kara? No, it's Kara's job. <laughs> From the 614, guys, I guess the doll just refuses to let it go, let it go. Coming up next, the Cardinals just reverted back to their roots, and we'll talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. There was a prototype of a perfect Cardinal. Nolan Arenado is it. No offense to the other great Cardinals we've loved, but in the city of St. Louis, I'm telling you, I'm going to say we because I'm from St. Louis proudly. We appreciate guys that grind like they have no talent, the David Eckstein's of the world. And we appreciate the defensive wizards, the little things in the game that are overlooked by so many other fans. We love it as St. Louisans. This guy plays the game like David Eckstein, like he's got no talent, but he's got more talent than Jim Edmonds ever had. He's a defensive wizard at third base like Ozzy was to short. This dude... All he cares about is winning. That's all he wants to do. It seems like it's finally going to get done. And that was Greg Amsinger earlier this morning on Carriker and Smallman talking about how Nolan Arenado is the perfect Cardinal. It made all the sense in the world. It has made all the sense in the world for years now. And finally, it seems like we're actually going to be able to call him the next St. Louis Cardinal. And this is a revert back to where the Cardinals were in the early 2000s. They've done this before. This is not something new. Now it is new relative to what they've done recently. But I think by by going with the Paul Goldschmidt trade and making this deal for Nolan Arenado, and frankly, if you include also the Jason Hayward and uh, Marcelo Zuna deals, which didn't work out the way we hoped, but they were part of this as well. This is the Cardinal way. Over the last 20 years, you look at McGuire and Edmonds and Roland and Holiday. They bring in these guys. They fall in love with being here in St. Louis, and they decide to call it their home for, if not their entire rest of their careers, most of the rest of their career. And that's how they built those monster squads from the early 2000s to the early 2010s. They would trade for or acquire in whatever way possible these big time bats to put in the middle of the order to fill around the guys that they were able to develop internally like Albert Pujols or now hopefully Dylan Carlson. Now they're finally getting back to that. They found their next superstar and he came from Colorado once again. You know, it's 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 shining the spotlight on John Moselock, who went under a lot of scrutiny these last few seasons and rightfully so because 
Unfortunately, the Cardinals did just stay stagnant. Though They went out there and got Paul Goldschmidt. They made the move for Jason Hayward. They tried for Stanton. They've been making moves. But this is the first time that John Moselec actually pulled off a trade that was being called for by the fans. And he didn't do this because of the fans. But he finally kind of came through on that. And it puts the spotlight on a guy that if you go all the way back to that Matt Holiday deal... He's been doing this. He's been making these moves. When there's a blatant hole for this team, he finds a way to get that upgrade for the Cardinals. Think about it. In the 2011 World Series, he was a part of going out there and getting those guys, Octavio Dotel and Mark Zipchinski, to bolster that bullpen. He went out there and made the move for Matt Holiday. He went out there and efforted for Giancarlo Stanton, for Ozuna, for Goldschmidt. He's always been making these moves. Sometimes they haven't worked out. Most of the time they have. But it's finally putting the spotlight back on a general manager, president of baseball operations, that has continuously found success for this Cardinals team and get them into the postseason. I also think there's an important distinction between the type of deal that they made for a guy like Ozuna and Hayward versus what they've had in the last two deals like this with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Now, part of that is that They knew Goldschmidt was going to be able to re-sign long-term or was willing to re-sign long-term. The other part of it is certainty. Now, when you look back to the deal for Jason Hayward, Hayward was more about projection than it was certainty. He had been a pretty good player in his career in, um, in Atlanta, but he had one season of at least 20 home runs down there. Mm-hmm. The hope was, okay, as he gets up into his upper to mid-20s, uh, he's he's going to have that power that comes around. And you're projecting this is a guy that later on is going to hit 25, 30 maybe home runs, and he's going to have gold glove caliber defense, and hopefully that's the type of guy that we can have while he's here in St. Louis. It just never happened for him, but they were projecting what he could be moving forward. Same thing for Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna had one tremendous year down in Miami where he hit 37 homers. Other than that, though, much of his career down in Miami was actually underwhelming for what they expected from him. And the Cardinals believed, okay, he's on the up and up now. We can get him while he's going on that upward trajectory. We're going to get his age 27, 28 seasons, and then we're going to re-sign him long-term after he's had two really good years Mm -hmm. here in St. Louis. Obviously, that didn't happen. That wasn't the way that it went here with the Cardinals. If you look at what the most recent trades are, Goldschmidt was a known commodity. We knew exactly what the Cardinals were getting when they acquired him because he'd been consistent every single year of his career. Nolan Arenado, it's the same thing. This dude is a known commodity. He's been consistent every year. That's not a pandemic stricken uh, 60 game season. This was the first time where he didn't have a great season in the big league since taking over as an everyday regular. So that to me is the biggest difference between the two last deals that they made for Ozuna and Hayward and what they've done the last two times with um, getting in Goldschmidt and now Arenado. I think you nailed it right on the head. I mean, they have nailed these known commodity trades, those projection ones. I don't think they really backfired. I mean, the only guy from Miami I can say that you may want would be Alcantara. The Atlanta one, Miller had one good year, and then he had elbow issues and was gone, and they dealt him. He'd like to have Zach Gallon, and Gallon was in that Miami deal, if I'm not mistaken, and now he's down with uh, Arizona. But yeah, all things considered, I would make those deals again. It didn't work out the way you had hoped, but I would make those deals again. And and sure, his small trades maybe haven't flourished. We'll see what we get from Libertor in this uh, Rose Reina trade, but I'm not going to say he's lost that one already. Sure, he had Babe Ruth-type numbers for two months. I don't know if he's going to do that this year. The Mercado deal... Sure, we haven't gotten anything out of that. Mercado had a couple good months for Cleveland, had a good season. He hasn't done anything besides that. He's, he wasn't even in the lineup last year on a good team. 
these trades, he's he's ripped off the Rockies. I mean, maybe it's too early to say that, but I think he's ripped off the Rockies, and I honestly believe he ripped off the D-backs. We gave up Carson Kelly, who looks like he's going to be a Diamond decent backs. catcher. Diamondback. Or Diamondback, sorry, yes. No, they're the D-backs. You just got to be careful with that. <laughs> just got to be careful with the pronunciation. You're throwing there. insults to Arizona right now. Well, I'm sorry, but they missed, messed up on that trade, too. Carson yeah. Kelly's an okay catcher. He's not going to be like a Yadier Molina. He wasn't going to be the guy that was going to fill in for Yadi, so they moved him. And then also the Cardinals moved Luke Weaver in that deal. Luke Weaver struggled in Arizona. I he's mean, perfectly fine. He's not he's a, guy a fourth that's or fifth guy anything. in your rotation. Yeah. So they've ripped him off both of these trades when they get these known commodities. This is the thing with Mo that has always impressed me, and he's always kind of he's always the lion laying in the weeds, waiting to pounce on the prey. Maybe it takes two years, right? Maybe we go through two years of just stress and being pissed off because they don't go out there and they don't get the player that you think, right? Oh, you missed out on this guy free agency or you didn't make the trade for this guy. He waits in the weeds for the right deal. They've had the conversations in the past about Arenado, and it didn't work out. Why? Because Colorado went to him and said, hey, look, we want Dylan Carlson or we want this. Not going to happen. John Mozeliak continues to wait in the weeds until something happens and they get into a predicament where it's either Arenado or Trevor Story. Guess who's on the phone immediately? John Mozeliak. That's why it's so underrated what he does with this Cardinals team. He's always waiting in the wings and pulls off those deals. It reminds you an awful lot of what Doug Armstrong does with the Blues. Yeah, it's been really impressive. And 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Literally last week, you were going through most trades and saying that he missed on seven of the last nine deals. That was not this show. I want to be very clear about that. Second of all, he did. But a lot of those deals, the thing that we've got to keep in mind here, yes, if you go down and go, hey, did he win or lose that deal, that deal, that deal? Yeah, Recently, he's been on a little bit of a dry spell. No question about it. I'm not going to disagree with that. But when you knock the big ones out of the park, when you hit homers, like this is what baseball is nowadays, right? The home run accounts for so much of the overall production in baseball that you'll deal with a few strikeouts here and there. If the Cardinals whiffed on the Jason Hayward and Marcelo Zuna trade, and that was that was the only black marks on their resume, those were the only issues on their resume recently, well, then we'd all be like, okay, that's fine. The problem is they've also missed on some of those mid-tier free agent uh, acquisitions, and that's what we're really judging it off of. It's it's more than just the trades. Right. If they missed on the trades but hit on those mid-tier free agent acquisitions, we wouldn't be looking at the trades the same way because this team would still be having a lot more success on the field. It's all of it that accumulated together that got us to where we were having so many talks about Smo lost his fastball a little bit here. And the answer after seeing this trade, I think, is a resounding no. Yeah. I think it's very clear that Mo has found a way to get back. He's like the Undertaker. He's back once again. <laughs> and Cardinals fans, I think, fairly were frustrated with the job that he has done. And I would imagine if you took a poll of Cardinals fans today on the overall approval rating of the job that John Mosaloc has done now, it's going to be high. I would say it's got to be. 80%, yeah. 90%, because Cardinals fans are now excited about this I team. I think again. you have to separate the two. You can't look at him and say, well, his free agency is poorly, which that means he's not good at his job. Free agency has not been good for John Mosellock, but he's been working with a smaller free agent market with not a lot of those superstars, and the guys that he's going after aren't working out, right? Dexter Fowler, he was the best outfielder out there at the time. Didn't work out. Mike Leake, best starting pitcher out there. Didn't work out. But the trades have worked out. And I mean, again, you can recency bias takes you to Randy Rosarena and Luke Voigt. Yeah, those two sting. But the Yankees, you got Giovanni Gallegos back and we don't know what Levator is going to be. 
But even the Jason Hayward trade, you made that move because Oscar Tavera has passed away. Mm-hmm. You needed to find a replacement, and maybe you gave up some pieces that you're not happy about. I would make that move again, though. I would make that move in a heartbeat. It didn't work out. The projections that they had on Hayward, and by the way, all of baseball had on him because he ended up getting a $200 million deal up in Chicago. And they didn't re-sign that. That's the biggest key. He knows when to move on from players, which you need as a president of a organization in pro sports. You got to know when to cut the cord on some players. They made an attempt at Hayward they felt was right. Didn't work out, and they moved on, and look where they've gotten. Yeah, absolutely. And and eventually, they got to the right deal. And eventually, they were able to get Paul Goldschmidt and got Nolan Arenado, and the journey is a part of where where you end up, right? That they, they went through all of that stuff to get to where they are today, and now what they have is arguably the best corner infield in all of baseball. That That is a real conversation to be had right now. If you look at any sort of top 10 list of the top 10 first basemen in baseball— I would be stunned if Goldschmidt is not in the top three on every single one of those lists. If you look at the top 10 third baseman in baseball right now, you're going to be hard pressed to find any of those lists where Nolan Arenado is not at least in the top three, you have a top three first baseman and a top th- uh, three third baseman in all of baseball, right? That's what you now have on your team. So he, yes, there was some frustrations between the starting point and where we are today, but they finally got the guy that changes the complexion of what your team is. Real quick, by the way, people that will complain about the Oscar Mercado trade, they got the player that got them, Nolan Arenado. John Torres was in that trade really? for Oscar Mercado. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was a part of that deal. That's interesting. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 117. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, let's play a game of in or out, including... In or out, Nolan Arenado is going to have at least 115 RBI going into next year. Talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. All right, guys. Let's do kind of a Nolan Arenado Cardinals edition of in or out. How's that sound for you? 95% awesome. Actually, 100% awesome now. Nolan Arenado finishes next year with at least 30 30 home runs, rather, and 115 ribby. 30 home runs, 115 RBI, in or out. That's what he finishes with in 2021. Well, BK, if you look at his splits away from Coors Field, he's not going to be that great. A little more nasally. Oh, sorry. Well, BK, if you look at his splits from Coors Field, he's not going to be great. No, I'm going to say in on this one, mostly because his dominance against NL Central pitching. And look, he's going to be seeing a lot of that now. Now, a little bit different NL Central pitchers now compared to his career. But... I like the idea of him in these ballparks like the Cincinnati Reds ballpark, like the Milwaukee Brewers ballpark, like Wrigley Field. I like the idea of matching up with this NL Central pitching staff, which is going to be going for a lot of younger pitchers. I'm going in on this one because I do think Nolan Arenado is going to see a similar pitch workload that he did in Colorado because they had to worry about Trevor Story at the time, and now they got to worry about Paul Goldschmidt. So I'm in on this one. Oh, I'm going to be deemed don't, a villain on this one. Don't do it, T-Bone. I'm out, and the only reason I'm going to say that is because I feel like th- there's going to be a ton of pressure on Arenado coming into this season just because he's the guy that you acquired. We saw Goldschmidt go through the struggles when he first got a- 
first year with the Cardinals. Had a little bit of a struggle there because he's got to deal with the pressure. Granted, he didn't have Arenado or Arenado behind him. Don't do it. I'm going to say out just because there's going to be more pressure on him. He's not used to that, especially playing in Colorado. So I'm out, but I think he'll get there his second season. I'd argue he had more pressure in Colorado because they couldn't freaking win baseball games. Good point. So here's what he's done so far in his career in terms of homers when he's at a full 162 game season. 42, 41, 37, 38, 41. But BK, look at his numbers at Coors Field compared to him on the road. RBI. 162 game seasons when he's played. 130, 133, 130, 110, 118. But BK, that's a hitter's ballpark. In. He's going to finish with at least 30 and at least 115 RBI. This guy does it every year. He led the league in total bases from 2015 to 2016. He's a guy that every season finishes between 900 and 1,000 in terms of his overall OPS. We'll get into the splits coming up in our next segment. I will just go ahead and say I'm not worried about what Nolan Arenado has in terms of his home road splits. We'll we'll get into that a little bit more coming up. But I did look up in his career at Bush Stadium, a career 850 OPS. He crushes the ball in Milwaukee. Absolutely crushes so does the ball. Paul Goldschmidt. I can't wait for those games this season. So in his career, Nolan Arenado has a 1300 OPS Whenever he travels to Milwaukee and plays at Miller Park. That's good, T-Bone. That's in 17 games. He has a 400 batting average with a slugging percentage of 840. 840 would be a nice OPS. He has eight homers and six doubles in 17 games at Miller Park. That's insanity. 19 ribbies in 17 games. Absolutely insane. All right. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for in or out. In or out, boys. Nolan Arnado, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, will go into the Hall of Fame with a Cardinals cap oh, on his head. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I'll, I'll say in for now just because I'm assuming he's not going to opt out. He's going to be here for six years. And he basically gave Colorado the middle finger on the way out because yeah. he's not happy with them. Yeah, I, I guess I'll say in on this one as well. God, PK's put me in a position to where the text line's going to have a field day. I look at it as a Scott Rowland situation, and look, he played for other teams beyond the Cardinals, for Toronto, for Cincinnati, but majority of his career was spent in St. Louis. Nolan Arenado did all of the historical moments, at least in the beginning of the career in Colorado, but T-Bone's right. He did give the Rockies the middle finger on the way out, and if he has the success for the latter part of his season in St. Louis, he wins, maybe wins a ring. Yeah, he's going in with that Cardinals cap on. I'm surprised you guys are struggling with this one. This one seems pretty easy to me. Of course well, he's going to go in as a Cardinal. Well, Why? In what world would he go in what if he as doesn't a rookie? Have, what, is, what if he doesn't have the same amount of success in St. Louis as he did in out? Colorado? What yeah, if what he if he opts out? Two years and goes to the Yankees. Yeah, what if he or goes the to Dodgers. the Angels? Okay, well, that would be problematic. But I, if we <laughs> operate under the assumption that he doesn't opt out, and I don't think he's going to, um, I think he's clearly going to go in as a as a. Um, St. Louis Cardinal. Yeah. He had no success with the Rockies. None. The only reason he wanted out, or the main reason he wanted out, is because the team stunk. Like he went to like five playoff games in his entire Rockies career. So, yeah, no, he's, he's going to go in as a Cardinal. I think there's no question about this one. Aren't you the one that says we shouldn't judge a guy based on championships or playoff success? No. Oh, well, absolutely not. Wrong person. I'm the guy that thinks that you should. And oh. so if we're going to judge players based on that, then I, I think he... I think he's going to end up being a, a Cardinal whenever he goes into the Hall of Fame. I think weren't, that's how we're going to see him. Weren't you the guy that said, look at the numbers between the lines? 
or something along those lines. I have no idea what you're There's referencing. There's a lot of right lines now. in there, T-Bone. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. Guys, in or out, the Cardinals have a top five offense in the National League going into next year. In or out, Cardinals, top five offense. We'll go based on OPS because that's just kind of all-encompassing. Cardinals finish the year top five in OPS in the National League. Dodgers and Padres, obviously. Braves last year were number one. Yep. Mets were number three. But Braves and Mets now with their, their acquisitions in the offseason. Braves is still, if they get Ozuna, if not Ozuna, it's going to be interesting. So basically, it's going to so come down to the year, Cardinals or the Nationals. Last year, it was Braves, Dodgers, Mets, Padres. It's top four. I think those are probably right. teams that you would expect to be around there again this year. After that, it was the Giants, Phillies, and Nationals as the next three. They'll have definitely better than the Giants. Phillies might be able to say top five. Phillies might be, but they're so inconsistent, and I think they're better than the Nationals. I'll say I'm in on this, but it's going to be close. I'll say I'm in. I agree. I think it's going to be close because, I, like you said, Phillies are too inconsistent. It's kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. I think the Nationals offense is okay. I'm not willing to say they're top five. So, yeah, I'll say I'm in. A year of Juan Soto, a full season of Juan Soto is going to change some things for the Nationals. That's And they got Ryan Zimmerman back, who I know he's old, but he still provides them a little bit of pop in the middle of that lineup. They'll be a tough competitor for that fifth spot. Yeah, they will. I think the Phillies are going to have a good offense once again this year. By the way, the Cardinals were 14th. Ooh. in OPS last season. Fourteenth out of last. 15 teams in the National League. It's the Pirates last. were 50 points worse than the Cardinals in last place in the NL. I I actually am going to go ahead, surprisingly enough, and say I'm in. I'm BK optimistic <laughs> over here. Um, I think that the Cardinals are going to finish the year with a top five offense in the National League, and that's part of why I'm so high on this team is because now whenever you add Arenado and you have a great defense and we've talked so much about their pitching staff and you potentially have a top five offense in baseball, what, where's the hole on the Cardinals going into next season? Like, where's the clear that's their fatal flaw going lead, into 2021? I'd say leadoff. Leadoff is a little concerning. And then maybe maybe, maybe the left-handed bat in the outfield, maybe. I don't even know if leadoff's concerning. It's just a question mark. Because if Tommy Edmond can be Tommy Edmond of two years ago, you're going to be good there. I'd say more concern would be who's batting behind Paul DeYoung. I mean, if it's Dexter Fowler, if it's Dexter Fowler, I don't know if that presents as much of a threat as a guy like Tyler O'Neill at his best. So it's basically a question of do the young outfielders perform? It's what it comes down to. It comes to the outfield. Yeah. By Uh, the way, can we touch on T-Bone saying it's not last being 14th when it literally was one away from being last in the national league. It's not last. Okay. That's like getting a a D minus and saying, Hey, I didn't fail. Hey, yeah. You, at that, at a D minus, you got to take any victory you can. Now I know That's how correct. my schooling career went. For Last thing for you guys: six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. <laughs> guys, in or out? Jordan Cairo is going to be the Blues' biggest scoring threat going into the playoffs. Give me a party air horn, T Bone, on that one oh, because on, BK. Well, I'll let you dig for it while I talk here. T Bone, uh, our BK is on it here. The hype train. We've been on this hype train. I was late to it. I was late to the party. We've been on this. Five goals, five assists, 10 points in his first nine games this season. That's miraculous. It's nothing short of unbelievable that he's been able to do this. Let's go. I'm still not there yet. Oh, come oh, on. Geez. How do you I'm hype it up like that yet. and then back out? 
I'm out. I still think I'm going with Vladimir Tarasenko. More proven over a longer period of time. That being said, I looked up what Tarasenko had done in his first nine games in his career, basically. He has replaced Jordan Cairo has the production that you would expect to get out of Vladimir Tarasenko. So that Shin Schwartz Tarasenko line that we used to love, it's back to being that exact same line. Mm -hmm. And just instead of having Tarasenko on it, you have a guy that's $7 million cheaper in Jordan Cairo. It's amazing. I'm out on it too. Uh, (laughs) I know T-Bone. Sorry, buddy. I wanted to get you excited. Look, you're not going to compete with what Tarasenko has done. And maybe he gets to the point where he's a a 30 goal scorer, but you got to hit 40 for me to sit here and say, okay, we got something here. Look, Kairou has the presence of a pure goal scorer because he's always around the puck. I heard Joe Buck talk about it, who's seen a lot of blues hockey in his time, talking about just Jordan Kairou being able to skate through people and, and find and pick that spot in the net. He's got that talent. But again, you mentioned it, BK. He's playing on that line that seems to always produce, whether it be Tarasenko, whether it be Thomas, whether it be Sunquist. I want to see him do it at some point when he's on a different line. If and he's going to be on a different line. If he's going to be on a different line. And I want to see him find a way to get through that lull. You heard Troy Brower talk about it with us earlier today of, you know, he was kind of on that cusp of, am I going to be a part of the Blues or am I going to be traded away? And it kind of lit a fire underneath him. How... How does he perform keeping that fire ignited? That's my question. I wonder where Tanner's going oh, on this one. He's in. I'm in, baby. This is so... I can't believe you guys. That was so, <laughs> so disheartening. Dumb. You guys led into that like you're going to be in on it, and then you just <laughs> back out. Wow, that welcome, was... Welcome to a tease, T-Bone. That was unbelievable. Oh, well, I apologize. I'm sorry that I got your hopes up, and I just stepped right on your heart. Just go back on that Falk train, buddy. I'm still on the Falk train, by the way. As you should be. He's been good. He's been very good. He's been and good. He leads the National Hockey League in plus minus, and he's been good. He's been great. I agree, he's guys. Been wonderful. Al McKinnon. No, I won't okay. say that. Okay. <laughs> let's chill. Let's, yeah. let's relax Whoa, on there, that. buddy. Let's relax on that. Turn With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, the risk in this deal for Nolan Arnato, little overstated. Also, let's not worry so much about those Coors splits. We'll talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. For the Rockies, keep in mind, they're saving $150 million now. They're not going to have to pay Arenado what they owed him. So they get out of that obligation. They get some players back. Gomber is the best of them. And good for the Rockies, boys. <laughs> there we go. Way to go, Colorado. They're saving $150 million. Nailed it. They got Austin awesome. Gomber. Then they'll be able to spend that $150 million on Trevor Story and keep him around for a long time. What a deal for him. What a deal for the Colorado Rockies. We should be singing their praises, not the Cardinals. No, in all seriousness, this was a fantastic deal for the Cardinals. It was a highway robbery. And we heard earlier today, we were talking with our guy Woody Page, and he said it's the worst deal that he's seen in professional sports since the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Which is incredible to say. It's unbelievable. But... That's where we're at. And there are some that will say there is some risk in this deal. And there's some truth to that. There is risk. Nolan Arenado, according to reports, will still keep his opt out after this season. That's a risk. It's possible, okay, although unlikely, that he could opt out of his deal after this season. He also reportedly will get a new opt out after the 2022 season. That he could technically stay after this season, especially if he has a bad year. Comes back in 2022, and if he had a fantastic season, recoups his value and thinks he can get more on the open market, technically he could opt out of the deal after 2022 and hit free agency, and the Cardinals got him for two years. Here's why I'm not worried about that. 
even if he did get to that worst case scenario, if he opted out after this year, it means that the Cardinals are being paid $15 million for the right to have Nolan Arenado on their team because the Rockies are sending $50 million, according to reports. If he opts out after next year, then you got Nolan Arenado for two seasons for $20 million, <laughs> essentially $10 million per year to have one of the best players in all of baseball. That's incredible. That's in the worst case scenario. And the guys that you gave up in those scenarios, the best player was Austin Gomber, who may, may have been your fifth starter going into this season. Mm -hmm. That's the money opt-out side of things. In terms of the money side of things, because it is a lot of money still that you're paying to him, the Cardinals are basically on the hook for seven years and $165 million, according to the reports that are out there, because the Rockies are paying 50 of the $200 million. And between them and the um, deferrals. And he's adding one more year to his deal worth $15 million. So that gets you to the seven years, $165 million remaining. Here are guys that make more than that in terms of the AAV, because that's around $23.5 million. George Springer, Robinson Cano, Albert Pujols all make more <laughs> than what you're going to have in terms of an average salary than Nolan Arnato. Guys that are in that similar range, well, JT Real Muto just signed for a similar type of a deal. Jose Altuve, Jason Hayward, Chris Davis, Josh Donaldson. Yikes. Nolan Arenado is the best player in that group. Oh, yeah, by far. Well, Chris Davis might be. <laughs> you got a guy that is legitimately the best of his peers in the group of money that he is going to make over the next seven years, and you did it with very little risk. Mm -hmm. It's a home run acquisition by the Cardinals. Whatever risk you're hearing elsewhere, Go ahead and ignore it because the Cardinals built that risk in whenever they decided to make this deal and made it easier for them to have it on their palate because of the money the Rockies are sending and because of the prospects that they ultimately had to get rid of. Do we really sit here and think that he's going to opt out? No. I mean, look, 2021, there's no way. Like when you're getting paid that money and you're in the middle of a pandemic where other teams have been slashing prices. There's no way I'm backing out of that assured money. 2022 can be a little concerning for you, but guys, he's been talking about the Cardinals for the last three seasons. I mean, let me take you back to high school. If you get to go to the dance with a really good looking girl, but you say, you know what? She's great, but I'm going to take a chance on maybe finding one that's better looking. Are you really going to take that chance when you have the sure thing already? Yeah. You're going to a team that has Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung, Jack Flaherty, Dylan Carlson, possibly the deepest pitching depth in the National League. And on top of it, you have prospects coming up that are top in baseball. And in front of what hopefully, fingers crossed, depending on how the world looks at, that, at this summer, arguably yeah. one of the best fan bases in all of baseball, maybe the best fan base it's, in all of it's baseball. It's no coincidence that a guy like Jim Edmonds brought here and he re-upped. It's no coincidence that Scott Rowland was brought here and re-upped. It's no coincidence that Matt Holliday was brought here and re-upped. The similar factor in all of those was winning. And Nolan Arenado is going to be a part of that winning. He was not, they were not a part of it the last couple of years, although they were making the postseason. They weren't a part of it because they were missing that piece. Nolan Arenado is going to be that piece. If it happens, worst case scenario, you get two years out of it and you hope that Nolan Gorman's ready to go. 
But I am sitting here thinking, like I've said, 95% a lot with Nolan Arenado. I'm feeling the same percentage that he's going to be a Cardinal for the remainder of this contract. Nolan Arenado has played in five postseason games in his entire major league career. Five. He played in one in the wild card game in 2017. They lost that game to Arizona 11-8. to Then he went to the postseason in 2018. They beat the Cubs in the wild card round that year, the one-game playoff in the wild card. And then they played against Milwaukee and were swept in the series, three games to none. Scored a total of two runs in that series. The the Rockies did. That is why he's going to stay in St. Louis. Because the Cardinals will do some winning with him here. I am very, very confident in that. As we saw on the text line, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Guys, I'm not worried at all he's going to opt out because he's been begging to be here. Matt Holliday's talked to him. He's texted several Cardinals. This is where he's always wanted to be. Exactly. And they're going to build around him now. They're going to have more money to spend to build around Nolan Arenado. And what I'm saying is, even if you were worried that he was going to opt out, even if that was a legitimate concern, which we all agree is not, I think he's going to be here long term. I think he's going to be here for the full seven-year contract. I agree. Even if it was a concern, they baked that into the deal. Mm -hmm. That's part of why the Cardinals got what they did in this trade. That's part of why they didn't have to give up as much in terms of the prospect hall to the Rockies because there is those added potentially the added opt out in 2022. And he does still have that opt out after 2021, which for other teams not named the Cardinals could have been a problem. So when you're bidding against those other teams, and if there were other teams interested in Nolan Arenado, and I would imagine there had to be at least some that were interested, even if they didn't offer a true trade package to the Rockies. Well, if I'm the, let's say I'm the Cincinnati Reds and I was interested in Arenado. I don't think they were, but let's go down this hypothetical. Well, they have no assurances that he's going to stay after 2021. So they would be like, well, we're going to give you basically nothing because it's, we're going to take on this salary with all of the risk and very little reward. The Cardinals think that he's going to stay so they can give a little bit more, but still there's that risk there and it keeps the price down. Mm -hmm. That's why it always made sense for them. That's why it always made more sense for St. Louis to acquire Arenado than it did for anybody else in all of baseball. Would you have more concern about this kind of move if the pandemic hadn't happened? Like what if do you the, mean? If, the pan, if we're not talking about if we have full, we don't have the pandemic issues we had this past year. Because he might be more likely to opt because out. Because he after might that be more year. likely to opt out, and I don't know if they would make that deal if, if the pandemic never happened. I still wouldn't be concerned because Nolan Arenado has has been gushing over this Cardinals team for the last three years. He wants to win, but I think. I think L.A. would be intriguing for him because I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he from around L.A.? Yep. From California. And the Dodgers can offer him whatever he would want. Th- to me, to me, there is still some concern with him opting out because of the Dodgers' effect. Maybe. It all comes down to the Cardinals winning, though, in my opinion. If, yeah. if, if they don't make the postseason in the first two years and they're letting guys go or they're moving guys away, then, yeah, he's going to opt out. If there's no fans in the stands this year, if the Cardinals end up being significantly worse than I'm expecting them to be going into the season, and for whatever reason he just doesn't fit into the clubhouse, if all of that ends up being an issue for him this year, maybe. Maybe he opts out and goes to L.A. That's possible. But even then, this gets back to what I said in the beginning, you're baked, you've baked that in, so you got paid $15 million yeah. to take on Nolan Arenado. And so. you kept Nolan Gorman, and you hope, look, he's not going to be Nolan Arenado, but you kept the third base prospect that was supposed to be the future for you. Yeah. Is does he put more pressure on the front office to go do something next offseason? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is because pr- possibly. Because they could get in and let's say they lose to the Padres or the Dodgers, whether it be the NLCS or NLDS. I wonder if he looks at them and goes, guys, we're close. 
make a move, and if we don't, who knows, maybe I opt out. You have two of the best pieces on any team in Major League Baseball right now with Arenado and Goldschmidt. I don't even think there should be pressure on the front office. I think the front office knows now we've just become one of the top five or six contenders for a World Series in the National League. Now let's go into this next offseason and become that that champion. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're going to cross things over with the fast lane next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie crossing things over with the fast lane. Brad Thompson is in studio with us. BT, what's going on? No, not much. Uh, not, not a ton to talk about here. Nope. Guys, have you guys talked about this aspect of it where you feel like, when is the floor going to break on this bad boy? I feel like it's like an elephant walking on ice nope. right now. Like, it's too good to be like true. Like, you're waiting for somebody to put a report yeah, out there's there? There's too many people that have to, like, approve it. <laughs> there's too many people that have to go by, like, are you sure you want to sign this? They don't know how these things work. I'm guessing once you have a a, 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 a thing out there in principle, right? Like, here's here's our yeah. deal that it's pretty much done. <laughs> but damn, I, I like I know how excited St. Louis is, and I know what the media has been saying about this deal. If you're the Rockies and you've been just just all day just <laughs> clapped with this stuff over the weekend, do you ever think to yourself? Right. Ooh, oh, we don't mess up. Here. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, wor- up. I'm worried Rob Manfred calls the Rockies and say, "Hey, one more time, you're good with this, right?" There are some trades they won't let you make in Madden <laughs> yeah. or in MLB. <laughs> like this would be one of those trades, or like fantasy football. We would tell you to crap in your hat if if you did that deal. You you, you guys tried to pull this crap off in our league. Had like untouchables, right? In, in the ESPN league, yes. they're like, "You're not allowed to trade that player. We know that you may want to, but you can't trade that player. You have to cheat basically in the game and become." <laughs> the other team's general manager so you can accept that trade and finally pull it off. What you would end up doing is you would trade that player even though the league said you couldn't and then you would also give the guy that uh, is running the league five times the league fee. Like that's kind of what's going down right here. It's fantastic. It is awesome news and it's exciting and honestly and you guys know that I am a Cardinal fan. All right. And I have have been I have been uh, firmly saying be patient and I said look even if everything stays the same on sale soon at 101 ESPN Mm. Even if everything stays the same, like, hey, this team's going to have a chance to compete. I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't think it was going to be the most entertaining brand of baseball. I just thought it was going to be a baseball team that would have a chance to compete. All of a sudden, you get entertaining. And at the end of it, I mean, it really is an entertainment business. And those that have been watching Cardinal Baseball baseball for a long time who got to see the MV3 and got to watch, you know, Roland and Edmonds and Pools or Pools and Holiday, well, now you get it again. Was Roland as exciting for you as a player watching him, as it was for fans watching on television and in person? I think Roland was like, to me, he was like the most exciting player to watch. I loved everything that he did and how he did it. 
I was I love the home run, head down run. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I dig it. And every once in a while, the walk the dog of Albert would be kind of fun. You know, it's like, oh, I just did that. But I don't know. I, I love the way Scott went about. It. And I, I just love. I think about it from a, a pitcher standpoint now. Uh, and, and when I say I, now I I use uh, relatively right. But I looked at that lineup and say I can pitch to that. Like, <laughs> I, like, like I, I can get around that. Now I look at that lineup and say. I might have some problems, like especially if Dylan Carlson uh, grows the, the way that we expect yeah. him to grow and hope he grows. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that there is a lot more there from a consistency standpoint from Paul DeYoung. One of the outfielders is going to come out of their shell at some point, and if not, they'll find somebody that will. Like, There's a lot of things trending in a really nice direction here. Well, I've basically put him in the World Series after today, so true. I hope you're right. I hope Look, you're I right. I put him in the World Series before that, so you know I'm firmly <laughs> That's also camp. true. Be patient. BT, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, man? Well, we might talk a little Nolan or not. That imagine. might be a case. You know what I really want to get to the bottom of, too, uh, to be totally honest with you? The Arenado Arenado. Because, it's R. Uh, uh, that's what I think. I, like, I've been calling it's him Arenado. It's, it's phonetic. Page. It's everywhere. Yep. But your calls uh, of him, even Arenado. from Colorado, you're Arenado sometimes. So, I don't know. We'll get to the bottom Woody of Woody Page told us today it is R. And he Good. was very, very Good. clear But then it. he mispronounced it later and <laughs> yeah. mispronounced DJ yeah. LeMahieu, too. Either so. way. Hey, uh, we'll also talk to the guy that, that basically told us last week, told you guys last week that it was going to happen. We're going to have Matt Holiday today. Can you ask He'll break him? It down. Um, you know, was he trying him, to I let us on? the other night. I said, "How long did you know?" He go and he just like gave me the smiling emoji. <laughs> he knew. Also, ask him if Derek Gould can uh, correct his report. Make sure that he knows it's, it's the Danny Mac show with BK. Look, there, there's oh, a BK geez. guy on there. We as don't well. need to make this self-serving. <laughs> it's good news for the community. That's Brad Thompson. He's coming up today on the Fast Lane. We'll be back tomorrow at eleven, right here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a 3-in-1 formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. It keeps you seeing safely all year long. Pick up some at Walmart today. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash.